Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. It is December the 8th, Friday. Hope everyone's having a, a nice week as we get ready for the weekend in holiday season. We have NFL Week 14 game previews for you here with Eric. We're also going to get into Friday racing from Gulfstream Park and from Woodbine. We'll get into Saturday racing from Gulfstream and Woodbine. Barry Spears joins me, and we both give out our best bets for Friday and Saturday Gulfstream. Then I'm going to talk about the Woodbine early pick five for Friday. We have best bets for Woodbine for Saturday. And then we get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We finish up talking about everything going on in WWE with SmackDown, Randy Orton with Raw, with CM Punk, with NXT, deadlines coming up this weekend, and with AEW. On this episode, that's what G said. That is presented by full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Cindy Carava can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help you get connected to the right type of lenders if you need help with uh, the loan process or maybe you need help with home improvement she'll connect you with to the right type of vendors all sorts of folks that she's worked with and has experience working with in her own home the website c-i-n-d-y-c-a-r-a-v-a.com let's get right into it nfl week 14 with eric we're going to go game previews for week 14 following that we'll go friday woodbine then we'll get into Gulfstream Park with Barry. We'll go through both Friday Gulfstream and Saturday Gulfstream. Then we'll move over to Woodbine for Saturday. And we'll finish up with Chad Cooper and this week in wrestling. Kick back and enjoy. We've got a lot of football, racing, and wrestling to discuss over the next few hours. Moving into NFL Week 14. We are here with Eric. From ESOF 21 Sports for our weekly game previews. And Eric, one of the stories of this year has been quarterbacks, quarterback injuries. Right now, as it stands, four of the seven teams that are currently in the AF and the AFC playoff hunt that are actually in the spots of one through seven, four of them are actually starting a backup quarterback. This week, I guess we'll have to find out, you know, come game time, but they're in line to start a backup QB. So we have, uh, you know, this is where you really come into play. You know, a lot of these guys from college or from XFL or from the CFL or for wherever they came. And uh, I'm sure you've seen a Jake Browning game or two before last week, but that was as good as he could have possibly imagined playing. Right. You know what? I was one of the final 55 going into Monday night. And I'm kicking myself because I switched it from the Buccaneers to the Jaguars. Yep. It wasn't meant to be. And I knew as soon as Lawrence went down, because I, yep. I knew like CJ Beathard wasn't going to be able to do it. Um, you know, it just is what it is. Reality a is great run. I should have eliminated like I had the Lions when they came back against the Bears. I should have been eliminated then. You got um, a few extra lives. Bought me a couple weeks, you know, just goes goes to show, dude. You know, you have a plan, just stick with the plan. Uh, injuries have been bad, though. Um, I really don't know if there's a way to prevent these injuries. They all seem very random. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're, like, all hamstrings, right, from guys that weren't playing preseason, especially at this point now. I mean, they're kind of – they're all different. They're kind of fluky. I just do – maybe overall with some of these guys, you could think that you know, maybe a few more reps in the preseason would help. But then is it the flip side? Is that just more opportunity for these guys to get hurt if they play an extra week or two, you know? Yeah, I just think 
I, I'll just be honest. I just think it's fluky. I Me mean, too. it feels like it. It does. The thing with Lawrence was just a step and do that a hundred times. That happens maybe twice. It was just yeah. a fluky thing. Um, and good thing this isn't college football because then they get relegated out of the playoffs. Yeah, one of that was such, that was so bad for Florida um, State, man. You so, feel so bad for that team, especially you as like a coach, uh, someone who's coaches younger kids too, and like kids in in the high schoolish range. It's like how many times do you have to preach to kids? Hey, somebody got hurt or someone can't be here. We can do this without them. Step up. Everybody can step up, and they did. And you're like telling them that it just doesn't matter. And I mean, this is the the this is the thing that gets me. You know, real quick, the tangent on this. Number one, good. They played who was in front of them, and they beat everyone that was in front of them. They won a yep. Power Five conference. They're not winning the Sun Belt, the MAC, nope. or whatever. They're winning a Power Five conference. Undefeated. Undefeated. And last but not least, and someone got upset it with me on Twitter, the analogy I can make to people is, let's say you were applying for a job and you met all the criteria, but somebody who didn't meet the criteria as good as you was related to somebody, had the, that old blood in them. Like the SEC has that old blood money in them. And they get the job instead of you, but you met, you you checked off more of the boxes. And it's, That's and the best analogy I can make for this. The SEC, it makes it difficult too. And, you know, the SEC and ESPN have a partnership that starts next year, right? Because the SEC just ended their partnership with CBS, CBS Sports. So you're hearing the, the ESPN and people like really like defending it a lot and stuff too. Um, yeah, that was a bummer. That was a bummer because how many great stories like, how many movies would have never been written? The guy, the, the the guy goes down. You step up. Some great cult hero is born. Uh, nope, never mind. We don't and, think we don't think you can win, so we're not going to put you in there. And for those who are like, well, they would have made it. You know, they have their backup quarterback. You know, we don't. He's not any good. He hasn't done anything. Let's just rewind to last year in the NFL when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt and Bryce Purdy came out of nowhere, played great, got them to the um, NFC championship game. And you know what? You can probably argue after what we saw last Sunday. Yeah, if he doesn't get hurt, it's a different game. Yeah. You, totally we different. We don't know what these, what these freshmen or these backups were going to be, and we'll never know. And you feel for these kids because they literally did everything, everything possible. Poor Jordan Travis is out there saying, I wish I would have broke my leg earlier. You know, like this poor kid is like having to like do all these mental gymnastics now about like, man, I, my team doesn't even get to play for it because I got hurt. They just, they set themselves up to fail and hopefully. And this, from- this like kind of affect like George, like whoever, like let's say there's a big injury to player X and he's going to miss multiple weeks, but a team's worried about losing their ranking. Do they just lie about the injury and just be like, well, it's not that serious. He'll be, he's like day to day. I know. You start thinking about like the domino effect that this could possibly have. Um, But I guess next year, well, and next year it'll be the same thing, right? Because they'll pick 12 and then there'll be the teams that are like 13, 14, 15 that are on the outside looking in that might have these same things, right? You could have a team that lost a couple games early in the year. They're on a a big run and then there's something. So just not, not great for a team like Florida state to get left out after earning it, deserving it. Would they have been a double digit underdog against whomever they played? 
Yes. Is Alabama going to be a, a more competitive game? Probably. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. they they wrote in a little uh, bylaw that they could use, but they hadn't used this as precedent before, and that's just it's it's a bad. But way. I mean, even if they say they use that by bylaw, why is Georgia ranked behind Florida State? I know that doesn't make any sense. Then, so you're telling me you watch those teams and you think Georgia is that far below Alabama? But you know what I mean? Like you, you can make that distinction that Georgia was behind Florida State, but Alabama wasn't. It's just that doesn't make sense. You know. Well, we've got a lot of uh, football games to make some sense of, Eric. Let's start with Thursday night. Oh, this is a barn burner, Eric. One of the best games of the year. We've got a total that could creep under thirty. It is currently at thirty right now. This is not Iowa, Nebraska. This is Bailey Zappi and the Patriots versus Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers on a short week, Thursday night football. And how about this? Mitch, a six-point favorite here in this game. So the Patriots, every week, it's like just being able to, to list off some of these great Patriot stats is one of my favorite parts of, uh, of these previews, Eric. So the Patriots have allowed 10 points or less now for three straight games, and then they've lost all three of them. This is the first time a team has allowed 10 or fewer points in three straight games and lost all three since I know you had them, Eric, in a future, the 1938 Chicago Cardinals. Um, I know they just got over the number for you that year. I'm pretty sure Uh, the NFL this year teams are 54 and three when they've allowed 10 points or fewer in a game, which means the Patriots are one and three and the rest of the league is 53 and oh this year. It's it's just mind-boggling what's going on with them. Um, 26 total points over the last three weeks. Uh, over the last four weeks, they have the lowest point total allowed in the league. They've lost all four of those games. They have seven one-score losses this year. If you just flipped half of those, not even being greedy, we're not going to say they're the Vikings from last year and they get every one score, right? But let's just give them three. Three more losses and you give them wins. It You feel completely different about their season right now. And if they, they're a five-win, six-win team, and it's totally logical that they could be. Yeah, I mean, remember they could have beat the Eagles. They could Dolphins. Beat the Dolphins. Um, missed the field goal against the Colts. You know, uh, they, missed the field goal against the Giants. Win. The Colts game in Germany. Yeah, if they just get one of those wins. You know, at the beginning of the year, we're looking at this team completely different. I look at this like this: my boy Tomlin, forty-five percent ATS is a favorite, um, minus three and a half favorite or more. You know, still a forty-seven percent. Uh, looking at Trubisky against the Patriots, 57% in two games, 250 yards, a one-to-one TD to INT ratio. So those numbers aren't too good. Pats are going to try to run the ball. This Saint Steelers team hasn't been as good as they've been in previous years, stopping the run. They're middle of the pack, 15th DVOA, but they're allowing 121 yards per game. As much as we want to give this the, the uh, Patriots crap, about their offense, their defense has been pretty nails. I mean, you mentioned the stat. They're not allowing that many points, and they're doing against better offenses. They just did against the Chargers, who are a better offense in my eyes, than the Pittsburgh Steelers are. Now you're bringing in Trubisky, who doesn't have as many reps as Pickett. Um, You know, I think the Patriots, like we were just talking about their defense, they're number one in defensive rushing EPA, number one in defensive rushing success rate. 
So even with all like their struggles this year, they're the best defense in the league at stopping the run. And I just don't know how the Steelers are going to move the ball. Najee Harris in a practice today. Does that mean they lean on Jalen Warren? We've seen this script before when Jalen Warren kind of gets elevated to that one guy. He's just not the same player. Jalen Warren's basically Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard. There, I was just going to say he, it, right? Yeah, the same like sort of thing. Type guy. So, look, this is disgusting. Um, oh, we're all in on the – we're all in on I, Zappy. No doubt about I, it. I, I'm in on Zappy. 100%. I'll be honest. I got to go on a live stream tomorrow for the playing game. And my I got time slotted at the 10.30 p.m. Eastern time slot. So, I won't even be watching this game. Yeah, and there you I go. Could, I couldn't be happier. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, I could, you can just put your play you know. in and you don't have to worry about watching it until afterwards when you watch it back, you know, and you can fast forward through all the commercials and only watch the plays back because yeah. this is not going to be pretty, uh, especially on the short week here, but we're both on the Patriot. It's again, it's a gambling 101 class. If you were teaching it with someone and you were just teaching them, hey, look, I've got an hour. Let me give you some of the quick tips that I would say to you if you're going to be betting this year. If there's a big, if there's a, a a very low total in a game, if the spread is like over a field goal, you probably want to take the underdog. You know, that's like one of the more basic things. This is a 30-point total, and they're getting almost a touchdown with Mitch Trubisky on a short week with injuries after they just got their butts kicked by Arizona. I know that was a weird game because they had the delays and the weather stuff, but not not positive for them when they kind of had a chance to like even get back in the division race. Doesn't feel like it now with the, with the picket injury here. Uh, and after was it their first 10, 11 games this year where they out got outgained every game last week, they actually outgained their opponents and lost, right? It's sort of, it's going to flip back a few times now, just like it will when you get all the bounces and when you get some sort of lucky wins. So, uh, yeah, we're both on the and, Patriots side. And one way to think of it, as much as everyone wants to blame Joe, blame Belichick, excuse me, it's not Belichick. I mean, his defense has been lights out. It's They're great. Offense. If you want to blame Belichick for personnel decisions, yeah. Sure, I completely it. agree. But you can't blame him for the level that this defense is playing at. This defense is playing at a phenomenal level, and he's going against someone who's been around the coaching block, but has never been in this position to call plays. I I'll take the Patriots here plus the points. I'll put my nose up and you know. Yeah, and they're they're a bad against they're not great against they're they're weaker against the pass, but they're still eleventh on DVOA. And I was pointing out the like the EPA and success rate numbers, they're first against the rush. So in a week like this where you feel like Pittsburgh's not going to be trying to throw it all over the field on a short week with a backup quarterback that hasn't been in a lot, it should play the script should play nicely for the Patriots this week with the, that six-point cushion you're getting. We move to Carolina at the Saints. We didn't get that fired coach bump as the Panthers got rid of Coach Frank Wright. a phenomenal cover. Oh, that was great, though. And that was great. We hit Armingo over. Oh, you're, I was going to say, that was perfect. He had 10 targets in that game, right? I think there yeah, were they, worked out great. We hit 10 to 12. I had Mingo over 25 and a half, which hit right off the bat. I'll play on him over what was it? Over 65 and a half, which was plus 850. And then I was, I parlayed two together just because the number was outrageous. It was a plus 13,000 parlay, and I was nine yards away. Very uh, good game last week and could have been even better for Eric. Uh, But this Panthers team still, 
that was one of the main differences we saw. Mingo moving forward, you know, he was targeted quite a bit. Hubbard had 25 carries for 104 yards, so that was a positive. But they only had 282 total yards, only 4.1 yards per play, only 15 first downs in the game. They cut it to a three-point game. They got the ball back with three minutes and 31 seconds left to play. They had two timeouts from their own 31. So a, a pretty good spot to try to go on a drive, right? You're not way in your own territory. You got plenty of time. You got timeouts and the two minute warning, everything you need. They ran the ball five yards, ran the ball four yards. So it's third and one incomplete pass. And then they threw an interception on fourth and one. They've allowed Bryce young to be sacked at least four times in eight different games this year. They're on pace to give up 66 sacks, which would be close to their team record. On the flip side, you got a Saints team here who's favored by five. They had generated negative six yards of offense on their first three possessions against your Lions last week, and they were down by 21 instantly in that game. They made a lot of mistakes. Their interception, a fumble that resulted in points for the uh, Lions. They started to come back at the end of the first half, and they end up scoring a touchdown on three of their next four possessions. But in the middle of that, there's a fumble. And that gave the Lions a chance to kick a field goal. Carr got hurt again. It was the third time this year he's gotten hurt after starting a game. So Jameis comes in. And, you know, the Saints actually had more first downs, more total yards than the Lions. Kind of a weird game, though, when you get down so quick early. You have to you have to just tack up more yards trying to come back. So you're always going to – it's usually going to be the template when a team gets up big early. Um they got Taysom Hill involved a lot last week. 13 carries, two receptions. He also threw two passes there. I don't know. I just don't feel like the Saints should be favored by more than a field goal against many teams this year with their offense and some of their struggles. But maybe can we get there with Carolina again this week? Yeah, I gave this one out, actually. I think so, too. Tuesday on my um, on my stream, I took the Panthers here plus the uh, – Plus the five and a half. Dennis Allen is 23.8% ATS as a favorite. Are you ready to get blown away? He is the sixth least profitable coach against the spread. Wow. As a favorite since 2005. Um, Home favorite, which he is, takes up to a 31% ATS. Obviously, we don't know who's playing quarterback. We would just look at the trends that Carr has. 32.7% ATS is a favorite. Home favorite, 36.7%. Winston, 29.6% ATS is a favorite. Home favorite is 26.3. So right now, we have a big sample size of two quarterbacks. One of them one of them is going to be playing and the coach. They have historically proven they just do not cover numbers as favorites. The last couple of years, the Saints team, they've been really known to be stout against the run. That's not the case this year. They're 25th DVOA defending the run, allowing 125.5 rushing yards per game and have allowed 165 rushing yards per game the last three games. One of the things that stood out to me, the Panthers, was they were committed to the run. That was the most they've watched all all year. Hubbard had 25 carries, and I think they'll lean on the rush game here. The rushing game has been one of the more functional good parts of the Panthers' offense. We also saw the Panthers take more chances down the field. What does that do? We use the three-point analogy all the time. It opens stuff up because the safeties can't cheat. Even if the that was the one thing, as much as everyone says how great Brady was, Brady was always just good at just heaving it as far as he could just to keep those safeties 
Honest. On their toes at least a couple yeah. times a game. You have to do it. It's like it's like the big man or a player in the NBA just shooting a couple threes a game. Even if you're not going to make a bunch of them, right? You got to just keep them on their toes because if you don't even shoot them anymore, then they're going to start not even defending you that way. Yep. And then um, flip side of that, we saw my boy Mingo go off. Uh, he has a good matchup here. Saints are 20th DVOA defending wide receiver twos. I think he's going to have another good game. Plus, you know, since 2005, these divisional trends. Divisional road dogs, 650, and 650, 561, and 35. That's 54% against the number. The last five years, 57%. The last five years, NFC South Divisional Road Dogs, 65% ATS. Another thing that really stood out to me when I was looking at everything, the Saints are one of the worst teams this year in the NFL in the red zone. So if they're driving down miserable and getting threes. This and is what you seven, you know what I mean? Like this I is the opposite of what you want with a team that you need to cover with margin. They're yeah. not efficient at all. They leave so many points on the table. Their offense has struggled overall. And when they move the ball, even when they're looking good offensively, they have a really hard time punching it in. These are the types of teams you want to play against when they're covered when they're favored with margin. Yeah. Um even even yeah. though, like on paper, the Saints look so much better than the Panthers in almost every like unit, right? Almost every spot you can find, but they're still not the, not this overwhelming team. And by a lot of metrics, I think they're just not, not a great football team this year. Um, Yeah. Agree a hundred percent. The one thing I'm looking at though, Jameis Winston, if Jameis Winston is quarterback, what we need, he targets Olave so much. It's absolutely insane. So what we want to do is we want to play Olave's normal prop, we want to play him to have over 100 yards. It'll probably be plus 200 or higher, maybe 180 or higher. And then some books offer him to have the most rush, most receiving yards for the week. His splits are just absolutely insane. So that'd be a player prop to kind of, kind of look at if it is Winston. And those most receiving yards for the week, those can be fun, you know. Oh yeah, because they're huge prices. Yeah, yeah we got just, a good matchup here. We can throw 25 a quarter unit on. Should be like 20, 25 to 1 to it. So that'd be one prop to look at that could be kind of fun. Something to mention as we continue uh, going through all these games. If you're in the state of Iowa, we are looking at the DRF Sportsbook betting lines. You can actually sign up for a DRF Sportsbook and play legally in the state of Iowa right now. Our promo code is FAST300. They'll give you all the way up to a $300 deposit match bonus and they'll be coming to more and more states very soon. If you're someone who played the races, you know about DRF, Daily Racing Form. This is the sports book now as they are expanding onto the sports side. So, Eric, we go next to your Lions. You needed a bounce-back win, and it was a it's like one of those weird games. Like, you get up early, and you play so well in the first few minutes. It's just hard to sustain that. We're human. Like, you, you take the foot off the foot off the gas a little bit. But I thought it was a fantastic start for a team who's not the last few weeks have probably felt bad about the way their games have turned out. They're nine and three now. It's their best start since 1962. They were the fastest team to 21 points in a game since 2010. The Raiders, no team has been up and scored 21 points faster in a game than the Lions just did since 2010. They're the first team since the 86 Vikings with three offensive touchdowns in the first seven minutes of a game. Because normally what happens, one team will get a touchdown, 
then there'll be like a pick six or something, yeah. right? So you'll get like a defensive score or a turnover, but they had three straight offensive scores, which was just phenomenal. But after that, they go three and out three times in their next five possessions. And th- that let the Saints get back into the game. They also had a chance when they were in the red zone where they missed an opportunity there. They're still up 10 at half. Game gets a little closer. They're up five with seven minutes and 30 seconds left to go in the game. They go three and out. So the Saints get the ball and a chance to take the lead with six minutes to go. Saints turn it over on downs. Lions get the ball back. They don't let it go through their hands again. They're able to ice the game. They pick up a nice 39 yards on a really nice play by Goff. What I liked about that, Eric, is we have have some of the same concerns about Goff right now than we may have a few years ago. Overall, he's better, and I think he has less weaknesses, but we still have some of the same concerns. I thought that was one of the best plays I can remember from Goff in a big moment where he like went around the pressure, made a nice read, strong throw. It was just a big play for your Lions. And I think somebody had said like the Lions kind of feel like a team right now, like I think a college football team or like a college basketball team that knows they're like in the playoff or in the tournament. But now you just kind of want to get there. And then you sort of feel like when they get there, they'll be excited again. But right now they're just kind of like, oh, crap, we got to nine and three. Let's just survive now along the way. Um, the defense, though, they're just struggling, right? Because they, you, and what some of the things that I really like, and I hope people that listen to this show week in, week out, you do a fantastic job of pointing out things that you see that maybe haven't even started happening yet, but you were just talking about this early in the year. Like, yeah, Hutchinson's really good right now. They've been making some plays, but there's still not really anybody else on the other side. And what's happened now is, and it makes defenses. They just focus on Hutchinson. They put two or three guys on him and they force somebody else to put pressure on the quarterback. And that's just not really happening. No, it's just, It's something that could have been this year. Obviously, you know, your window to win in this league is very short. Just kind of looking at this game, Goff as a favorite outdoors on the road, 43.8% ATS. Um, Since week eight, you mentioned the defense per EPA. They're the worst defense in the league. The Bears shredded this Lions defense, rushing for 183 yards, four yards per attempt, and kept the Lions on the field for 71 plays. Plus, we know the Lions like to run run the ball. Believe it or not, the Bears allow the least rushing yards per game at 79 yards per game. And at home, they are only allowing 63.4 yards per game on the ground. And it's not even fluky when you look at the other metrics on rushing EPA. They're third in the league defensively. In rushing success rate, they're second in the league. So they are very, very good at defending the run. Oh, they're phenomenal against the run. And now you bring in sweat, which is even even a bigger deal. And the reason why I'm like mentioning these run games is that's going to be important. I live in the Chicagoland area. I was supposed to go to Michigan this weekend for a my nephew's soccer game. We have this huge winter storm warning that's supposed yeah. to be rainy, 30 mile, five mile per hour winds, all this stuff going on. Now that's going to favor the Bears because the Bears are going to lean on this run game. And if the Lions can't run the ball, you're going to be forcing Goff to make plays in bad weather. And for those who don't know where Soldier Field is, literally 
it's right on Lake Michigan. So you get all the lake effect stuff. I think this is just going to be a bad matchup for the Lions. I'm not saying they're going to lose the game, but anything over at the, at the half. Yeah. As soon yeah. as you, as soon as this jumped up to three and a half, I'm on the Bears side who, um, They've been playing pretty well. They had 16 total pressures in their last game, a 44% uh, pressure rate. Uh, Fields was also in a lot of pressure under that in that game, but he performed pretty well. He graded quarterback 14 on the week, fumbled twice while running the ball. DJ Moore had a big game. They dominated the time of possession by only, like 11 minutes, but they only had nine points until the final 10 seconds of the game. It was actually the first win by any team this year with zero touchdowns scored, it was the first win for the Bears without a touchdown scored since week five of 1993, the last time we saw them. And we're on the Bears side here at plus the three and a half. Let's move to the Texans and the Jets. Texans are a four-point favorite on the road here. This would be the first rookie head coach and rookie quarterback to make the playoffs since Eric, which which was the last combination First-year head coach, first-year quarterback to make the playoffs. Jesus. Uh, Harbaugh Kaepernick? It's a good – it's a great guess. We had uh, Andrew Luck and Chuck Pagano. So, okay. uh, you know, not long ago and Andrew Luck, I think people forget, he had that great stretch, man. Uh, Andrew Luck was very, very good. Texans were up 13 in that game early. The defense played really well last we saw them. They only allowed 282 total yards to the Broncos, just 4.8 yards per play. Only 16 first downs for Denver on 13 total drives. This is the kind of thing that I'm sure, as a fan of Detroit, exactly what you were talking about, right? The rookie Anderson, two sacks, four hits, eight pressures. He tips a pass that leads to an interception. You've got a good game from Stingley Jr., two interceptions. Now you see these young pieces on their defense that they invested heavily in really helping them contribute on top of the, the great weeks that they have from Stroud. Cause Stroud's not going to be great every single week. And this week he was solid, but the offense only gained 14 first downs. Um, they took advantage of three Broncos turnovers. What concerns me about this spot though, Eric, why I like the jets in this spot when you look at the Texans' offense, they are an offense this year that's been very successful. Like, they're more of a successful on EPA, uh, expected points added, because they're more of a big play offense. Like, they're 10th in EPA per play, but when you look at success rate, they're 22nd, right? So they're not great down to down to down, but Stroud and their receivers, they'll hit these big, big plays. What concerns me is that now Tank Dell's gone for the year. He's out. So you take him out, and all of a sudden, instead of Tank Dell, you're going to be getting, like, more Robert Woods involved. You know, someone who's not nearly got the upside as a Tank Dell. And then you look at the Jets. They are fantastic at limiting big plays defensively. That's one of their strengths. You don't get the big plays against the Jets. So now this Texans team is going to have to go play a Jets team that's defensively very good, limits big plays, and they're they're going to be without one of their key weapons. They leaned on Collins a lot in that game. He had 191 yards. Can we get back to it with Wilson, though? Zach Wilson starting again, man. We're going back right. to Wilson? All right, so I got this line at six. Um, so first of all, 
I went on this big rant on Tuesday night. Jets are a complete shit show. From oh yeah, they front they office. ruined they ruined this kid. They ruined this kid over the last couple of years with what yeah. they did. Front office, and and if you not even counting him, let's just kind of let's just kind of step take a step back. Going into this year, you had Brees Hall and Michael Carter. You had a phenomenal lead back and a phenomenal third, of, like a Tony Pollard Jr. You had a great one-two combo. You're worried Carter could leave. That's fine. So you draft the kid from Pitt who was explosive. I liked him in college. I can't even pronounce his name. I liked him a lot. Then you bring in Delvin Cook because why? He's friends with Aaron Rodgers. So now the kid from Pittsburgh doesn't even get on the field. Michael Carter leaves to go to Arizona. And when he did get on the field for the Cardinals, he looked explosive against the Steelers. You bring in Nathaniel Hackett only because he's friends with Aaron Rodgers, who's doing nothing. And Boyle and Cook. Rodgers wanted Cook. He wanted Lazard. And he wanted Randall Cobb and all of those guys. Well, just just look at this. Let's just look at this for a second, okay? We got the Browns who go out there with P.J. Walker, who they just signed off the Chicago Bulls practice squad and beat the San Francisco 49ers. They bring Jersey Joe Flacco off the streets and played a competitive game with your Rams. Scores kind of deceiving, fell off toward the end. You look at what the Colts are doing with Gardner Minshew. Any competent coaching is going to work there because of the defense. You're playing a Falcons team which struggles against the run. You have Brees Hall run the ball 13 times, and you have Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle combined for 38. I know Wilson is starting and everything, and when they originally asked him, he said no. I don't blame him at all. He got thrown to the Wolves this year, and he, he kind of just said F it. I kind of I had a little respect for him, just saying, you know what? I'm getting no coaching here. I'm being set up to fail. I'm being scapegoated. They're in the situation because of Aaron Rodgers to try to please him. In terms of this game, this is going to be the best defense Stroud has played against. Yep. And now you take away a weapon in Tank Dell that's going to allow Gardner to shadow Nico Collins. Noah Brown hasn't been the same since the injury. Um, I think that's really going to affect everything. Um, Also, we need to remember, like, last year what was the big thing with the Texans. They couldn't stop the run. This year they're pretty good against the run. You've been throwing them. When we look at the last five games that Garrick Wilson played with Zach Wilson, 12 targets a game, seven receptions, 74 yards. I think this is going to be a big Garrett Wilson game. I think they're going to lean on him. I think they're going to he's going to have a good game. Stroud, one and four is a favorite, plus 28 mile per hour wins and rainy. Indoor team traveling to the northeast, bad weather. You got to take the Jets here. I got it at six. I like it anything over three. We go next to what was a matchup. Uh, I also locked this thing in, uh, and I'm fine over three and a half. I'm fine too. The Jets have only scored, they have 10 offensive touchdowns this year. 10. That's the lowest I mean, number like, by any. Why does Nathan Nate, Nate Hackett still have a job? How I don't does, understand. Like, Robert Sala, or however you pronounce his name, is this mecca of a coach. I think he's awful. I think he's the most overrated coach in the league. And you have Sean Payton. Sean Payton, who doesn't say a bad word about anybody, was bad-mouthing this team. I think I think the rest of the team, in all honesty, the rest of the league, looks at the Jets as a complete and utter laughingstock. They probably do. I will say, the one, and 
this is something we see again with a lot of coaches. Robert Sala's defense has been very good. He's he's probably a very good defensive coordinator and not someone who is a head coach who can manage all of the other things like the offense and some of the personalities and like all the things that go with being a head coach. It's not just about having a good defense. That's what happens when you're a defensive coordinator. Now you got to worry about offense, defense, special teams. You got to worry about the egos of your quarterbacks, of your high draft picks, of kids you draft, right? If you know, honestly, just like you said, there's no way if you're building this team this year and you think, okay, Aaron Rodgers is going to be our quarterback. You have to just get, cut Zach Wilson after what happened last year. You cannot come back this year with him as your backup, knowing that, Aaron Rodgers could get hurt. He's an older quarterback and you need to lean on this guy. You should have had another veteran there that could come in. Just like you said, like a veteran quarterback that could, that was a backup, like a career backup that, you know, could come in the game, be competent and like lead you. If Rodgers was going to miss a game or two, you put this kid back in and he wasn't ready to go back in, in this situation in New York, where you already gave up on him. And everybody was expecting Aaron Rodgers to come in. So this guy was a huge downgrade. You screwed with his head. You have not given him any sort of like fundamentals or any sort of a base to work with. Like this reminds me of what happened with Sam Darnold too. And he was seeing ghosts and we saw it with, you know, uh, I'm not saying that Josh Rosen or the guys like that were ever going to be good, but you can tell right away. Some guys never have a shot. Just never yeah, have a chance. I'll be honest, if I'm Zach Wilson, I'm realistically, I'm gone and I am heading down to Miami or I am heading to Denver or I'll head to Los Angeles or I'll head to the Rams. I'll head to one of those three places. And I'm like, you can hey, go you know what? and start over and be a backup and work your way in. I'll learn and maybe I can be something in this league. If not, you know, I'll be in a good position. I'll get some coaching because as much as everyone wants to badmouth this kid and everything, he does have arm talent. And he's mobile. And his coaching, he's kind of just shitty coaching. We just don't know what this kid is. None. And you don't know where, what, mentally where his head is. You pointed out McVeigh, and, and just remember what, like, you even said that Baker said McVeigh did for him in just a short yeah. period of time, right? Getting his confidence back. And we saw Baker look like one of the better versions of Baker through a lot of this year. And now he's a little bit banged up. But that's what you're hoping for from a guy like Zach Wilson as we continue along. Oh, how about this, Eric? We got we have a rematch of 2018 Washington number 16 Washington versus number eight Washington State. Jake Browning versus Gardner Minshew. These were two top 20 teams in 2018, Pac-12 quarterbacks. And both of these teams have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs now. If if Browning can give them anything close to replacement level. Right, like, let's just start with last week. This dude was incredible. Like, and, and I, I like, I like doing this. I like doing this too, Eric, because I like giving the guys credit for being awesome. Because in football, it's such a small sample size. Like one week, having a great week, man, you get credit for having a great game. He was great. Now moving forward, there's tape on him. There's film on him. Will he look as good? He was 32 of 37, 354 yards and a touchdown. Didn't throw a ton of risky passes. He had eight different receivers. It was his first win since he was a starter at Washington. He completed every one of his seven pass attempts over 10 air yards. And he was only the 10th player um, 
to have 350 plus yards in completion percentage over 85% in a regular season game. He was graded quarterback number three on the week. So I want to give uh, coach Taylor credit, right? He got this guy set up, put him in a spot to where he got him comfortable early in the game. And then as he got comfortable, he asked him to do more and more. And it was like a guy that was have like that was heating up an NBA jam. You start your range, you start backing up a little bit more and backing up. And then you can ask him to do more. They laned on the run a little bit. And um, man, it, it's cool to see someone step in and have a good game like that. Now, next week, can you do it again? So the Colts <laughs> are like a legitimate playoff team right now with what they've been doing recently. And again, we have to give massive credit to their head coach. Last year, they ranked 30th in points per game. This year, they rank 8th. With note Richardson and with Taylor missing a lot of their year. That's coaching, Eric. Mm. And I mean, I also kind of think like, you know, I kind of mentioned like the issue of like these teams and having like questions at quarterbacks. Let's kind of look at yep. them. You look at what the Colts have. Colts have Pittman, who's phenomenal. They have Josh Downs, who looks good. The Bengals have Chase and T. Higgins. Uh, the Browns have Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper. So it's just one of those things where you need to start having wide receivers in order in order to be there to compare um, that to uh yeah. to like the Panthers. They're be- they're in better shape, right, than Young. Like Young yeah. doesn't have quite those weapons. I'm not making excuses for him, but just these guys at least have some big playmakers they can lean on. Probably going to be the case with Minnesota, right? Moving forward now too with Jefferson back, that team may look a little bit different. It may be easier for whoever's playing quarterback than it had been for Dobbs the last couple weeks. Yeah, like in terms of this game, I look at it like this. Colts really do struggle stopping the run. Mixon, it's going to be the heavy workload. The Colts give up the seventh most rushing yards per game. I'll definitely be looking at some Mixon props. Are the, are the Bengals, are they going to have the ability to cover Pittman and Downs? I really don't know. You mentioned Bound, Browning. My thing is, was that him or was that the him taking advantage of the pass funnel defense that the Jaguars run that just allow these quarterbacks to get into rhythm? I don't know. I just, I, I need to see it one more game from Browning just because I'm not as high as the Jags as the rest of the people are. Um I would look at Mixon props in this game, probably some Pittman props in this game, but in terms of side, I'll just completely pass. Yeah, I'm going to stay away. Shout out to Minshew, though, man. He he makes, you know, he's a little up and down, but he makes plays, and the thing about him, he does not get rattled, right? Like, that dude has got a different sort of mindset and mentality when you've read about him and, like, the, the way that he is. It doesn't seem like it bothers him, and that's kind of what you need as a quarterback sometimes. Like, you need guys whose mental space is sometimes even more important than their physical, right? Because like we're seeing with a guy like Brock Purdy and we're going to get to him in a, in a little bit, but like there's so many intangibles as a quarterback that are really hard to quantify, Eric. And like the processing is the one that I'm realizing the most that moving from college to NFL, you, you don't really know until you throw someone there under the fire and see how are they going to be able to process the speed of this game? You can have all the tools. You can look good in practice, but when things are different, are you going to be able to move at that type of speed? And for one week, Browning did. Let's see if he can do it again. Minshew's been doing a really good job throughout a lot of the year playing this backup role for them and just not making a whole ton of mistakes. But, you know, for the Colts last week, 
and we'll talk about the Titans in a second. The Colts blocked two punts on back-to-back possessions, which is so insane and unlikely. And on those two blocked punts, they got a touchdown and a field goal. So they got 10 points on two blocked punts. And then later in the game, all the Titans had to do was kick uh, an extra point to win the game. They scored a touchdown to tie it. The Titans just needed to go and kick the extra point. And because in one of those block punts, the Titans punter got hurt, who is also their holder, when they had uh, Tannehill come out to hold, they ended up missing the extra point. So the, the, the odds of the Colts having won that game they just won against the Titans were so fluky. They needed like five things to all go their way that or absurd that rarely happen in order for them to win to get to overtime and then win. Uh, Derek Henry got hurt. Uh, Simmons got hurt for the Titans. They had another like two key injuries. So there were a lot of things bouncing that way, the way for the Colts. And you know what? Power to them for taking advantage of it. I'm not going to play them this week. I'm not going to play one way or the other. I'm like you. We're staying away from this one. That was one of the weirdest. Weirdest games I've ever seen. A block punt for a touchdown. Minshew throws the ball. Oh, oh, the the two-point. I forgot about that. An interception that was run all the way back for a two-point conversion for the Titans. And then the next play, the Titans punter gets hurt, comes down to freaking (laughs) – Damn. I mean, that was just I, – I had the Titans plus the two. Me too. I had the and Titans money line. Yeah. Was, that was just brutal for me. To, me to oh. On that, on a kick like that. But it's just – like, it's just part of the game. You know, what can you do? You get some that bounce your way. You get some that bounce against you. That was that was one that was like I, you have to laugh at a little bit. When, when those types of things happen that much to where it's like, yeah, you know, there were five things. We just were not supposed to win that game on that side. Uh, let's move to our next one. We go the Jags at the Browns. So as of now, does it look like this is, this is a not Lawrence number though, right? This is a CJ number. This was three with the Browns getting three and it's moved to them laying three. And the thing is, this is like, look with this game, we have no idea who's playing quarterback in either, either for either team. And Beathard is even banged up for the Jags. They have, they have Nate Rourke, and this guy was the CFL MVP. This kid can throw the ball. This kid can extend plays. Are they going to go with him? And this isn't me copping out. I really can't cap any games if I don't know who the QB is. 100%. So hopefully – We don't know who the QB is on either team right now. And so we don't know, Eric, what your schedule is going to be like this weekend. We may. Oh, no, I'm Sunday here, show. dude. I'm not going – Oh, so now because of the weather – Okay, yeah, so Sunday now I'm, I'm here. So we'll know we'll know more on Sunday about yeah. this game, who's going to be playing, and we'll be able to give you a better analysis of that of it then. Right now, I would say just don't touch it early unless you know something we don't know. But I'm a complete agreement with you. It's not even they're missing; they're both missing one quarterback. Like they both could be down second. Are we DTR Flacco? Like you said, Bethard was even hurt when he came out there. He was like his wrist was all bad. Just. I'm staying away from this one. The Ravens host the Rams, and the Rams are now in playoff contention. This game is a seven-point spread right now with Baltimore coming off of a a bye. I thought McVay did a really nice job in the game against the Browns, making adjustments throughout that game. What he did was 
the Browns defense is strong, but they have some spots, some, some holes. And he took advantage of those holes by using Stafford's arm strength. Cause Stafford has a, a strong arm and he can make throws that a lot of the other quarterbacks can't make. So that's the, the areas that he was like attacking against the Browns. And you could see the adjustments made because the first seven carries that Kyron Williams had, they were all into a loaded box. They just had nowhere to run. So you know what? Let's make an adjustment. Let's start attacking in different places. It was still just a one-point game with six minutes and 30 seconds left to go. Bad interception from Flacco, who actually played really well for like a lot of the game, though. Uh, he just threw that one bad interception, and it really did flip the game because it led to a touchdown. And instead of being up just one, now the Rams are up eight. And so the Browns have to go for it on their next possession. They get stopped. Rams score a touchdown. Rams scored 16 points in the final six minutes of the uh, of the game. And they've now won three in a row. Shout out to Puka Nakua. He went over 1,000 yards receiving. He's one of just 10, or he's just 10 yards shy. He's going to break the record if he doesn't get hurt. The most receiving yards by a rookie selected outside the top 100. Only six players since 1970 have hit 1,000 yards receiving in their first 12 games. I mean, he's having a great season. Um, for me, look, this opened up at seven and a half, and I had to take this number at yep. seven and a half. Um, Harbaugh, home favorite, 47% against the number. Home favorite, three and a half or more, 46. Six and a half. Sarah Silmore, 43. Lamar, 41 as ATS is a favorite. Three and a half or more, 37. What has been the one thing consistent about the Ravens this year? Getting up double digits and blowing these big leads. Yep. You want to talk about a team that takes the foot off the pedal? That's what they do. Also, flip side of that, getting the seven. I got the seven and a half, even the seven. It's open for a back door. We've seen this before when the Rams played the 49ers. Shout out Sean McVay kicking that field goal. Thank you, Sean. Um, Ravens offensive line, are they going to be able to stop Aaron Donald? Flip side, I think the Rams, even though the um, Ravens have the most sacks in the NFL, their offensive line played better against the Browns. I think they're going to be able to protect Stafford. Um, Ravens, I think they're going to struggle defending Puka. I think they're going to roll their coverage to Cooper Cup. I think they're going to struggle. I think this is going to be a big Puka game. And the Ravens, I know they want – their passing game just isn't there without Mark Andrews. Isaiah likely, as much as I like him, isn't Mark Andrews. And Lamar doesn't have that same flair with them. They had a little fluky cover. They only scored 13 points against the Chargers. Um, and then there was that fluky Zay Jones run where he should have went down. So they got to the 20. I don't know. I, I like the Rams here. Even if that's seven, I'd still play it. I got the seven and a half. Yeah, me too. The Ravens have some big games on deck. Um, I, I, this is the type of game where you feel like, it's like you're saying, they maybe take their foot off the gas a little bit. And now the Rams have something to play for here too. And they're sort of getting an identity with, with Stafford out there and with a couple of the playmakers they have. I think they do have the opportunity to like to be a team that you like playing in this situation as a dog getting a touchdown, right? Yeah. Like I'm not trying to lay this number with the Rams in any situation. I don't think they're like some juggernaut. But in this spot as a touchdown dog and above, I think they're super playable. And yeah, I, I'm on the Ram side here uh, also. 
Let's move to the Bucks and the Falcons. Eric, man, shout out to you. You were all over Mike Evans hitting 1,000 yards this year. He did it, and we're only in week 14 right now. He had 162 out of the 200 yards passing that Baker Mayfield had. That is 10 straight years of 1,000 yards for Evans, the first player ever to do it in their first 10 seasons, each one of them. Um, just Monster. And good job by Baker noticing, like, and just – realizing in some games and some situations, you have to just lean on your best players immediately after the Panthers took the lead. Evan scored on a 75 yard touchdown reception. Uh, Baker struggled. It was kind of a rainy day. Nobody Baker other than he looks hurt. He does. I think he is hurt, right? He, you can see it and he's trying because that's what he wants to do. Like he wants to tough it out. Um, nobody had more than three catches or 20 yards. Godwin had zero catches, but he had one big rush for a touchdown. What they've done, actually, they've run the ball better the last few weeks a little bit. Uh, They had 28 carries as a team, 128 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. White had 84. They're just really injured right now. Uh, They they had a lot of pieces on uh, the defensive side that were really banged up. And now they'll come into this big game with Atlanta with a lot of, you know, key uh, injuries as well. Atlanta leaned on their defense, which forced three turnovers in a game that was quarterbacked by Bull and Simeon. Uh, They only allowed 14 first downs. Jets were 2 of 15 on third down. And this Atlanta Falcons defense has now gone 24 straight possessions without allowing a touchdown. That is the longest active streak in the NFL. Longest uh, Last time they allowed a touchdown, week 10 at Arizona. It was a rainy game. Their offense couldn't do much. They only had 194 total yards. Ritter uh, completed 12 of 27 passes. They were only 4 of 14 on third downs. They only had 3 yards per play and 15 total first downs on 14 drives. What? I mean, the Jets' D is good. They couldn't run the ball at all. They only had 2.6 yards per carry as a team. 90 yards on 34 carries. Uh, Bijan got locked down in that game. And they really just had to lean on the defense there. Atlanta, it's basically a pick them here. Atlanta at home against Tampa. Yeah, two and a half earlier. Um, right? And this thing flipped real quickly. So, I, yeah. I, I mean, at, at like a pick them, I would be on the Atlanta side here. You know, I really want nothing to do. You know, I, I have, I'm invested in some Atlanta futures. I'm just going to kind of sit on those, kind of see what happens. Um, I just – I can't do anything here. I just really – I really can't. It's just one of those things where I miss. Is, I I don't feel confident playing the Bucks here. Me neither. And the fact that there's been such a move kind of tells me there's some big boy money or something about to happen, right? That we yeah. may not even know quite yet. So, yeah, this is a huge game for the division because the Atlanta Falcons. The way it sits right now, like it doesn't even look like there's going to be a possibility for it to be anything other than. Whoever wins this division is going to be hosting a game, a playoff game against either Philly or Dallas. Mm -hmm. Like that's just what's going to happen. I don't think it could be anything other than that based on the way the, like the records are because whoever loses the NFC East is going to be the number five seed. And they're going to go on the road and play whoever wins the NFC South, which will be probably Atlanta. So Atlanta right now, or like if it's Atlanta, Tampa, whoever, they are going to be hosting either Dallas or Philly. And that's going to be one of those situations where the road team is going to be a massive favorite in around one of the playoffs. Can Atlanta get a big win here and really stamp themselves as the team to beat in the division? 
Let's keep rolling, Eric. Where do we head next? We go to the Vikings at the Raiders. So do we know right now who the Vikings are starting at quarterback as of this Wednesday night? Josh Dobbs. Okay. They, the question I have about the Vikings, last we saw them, we haven't seen them for a while. They had a bye. They're up in the game against the Bears, right? Uh, and it's back and forth. No, they were never up against the Bears. Oh, no. They, they got up late in the game. They took the lead late, and they had an up, and then – what well, again, was, the Bears were always ahead, I thought, if I remember correctly. And I, th- and I think they scored, like, right at the end to, to go up, or is it to go up or to tie it, and then the Bears get the ball with a chance to win the game late. Yeah, they, they tied it, and they the tied Bears it. won and That's what it was. Pick the field goal. So after, like, looking anemic throughout the entire game, they moved the ball a little bit late. Vikings tie the game. Bears come back. What surprised me is, like, they weren't putting any pressure on the quarterback late, which is exactly what the Vikings and Flores do over and over. And Dobbs was really bad against the pressure. You were pointing out he, and and like, I, this is why I liked giving him credit. One thing we have to do as analysts is be an analyst and a gambler, because as an analyst, man, Shout out to Josh Dobbs. Had to be great for a guy like that who's had such a crazy couple years just to go in and be able to lead a team to win a game or two. And for a week or two, everybody gets to talk about Josh Dobbs. Like, that has to be cool for him, awesome for him, like deserving for all these guys that work so hard to make it there. But then what you have to do is you have to understand that when that happens, perception starts to grow and everybody gets a little bit overvalued. And then... You know, there's film out there. There there comes that regression back to the mean. Josh Dobbs was not like a starting quarterback in this league. Maybe he can be better than what we saw in the early starts in his career, but not probably quite as good and successful as he looked in a few of the games for Minnesota. Now we're sort of back to where we were with Josh Dobbs to where we don't know what we're going to get out of him. That's why I just have a hard time with this Vikings team laying a field goal on the road here, playing another team that's coming off a bye, that could be improved now coming off the bye with a young quarterback and a new coach who's had a little bit of time to work with this team and maybe implement a few things they want to put in here. Um, The Vikings have lost back-to-back one-possession games that they could have won, and now they really have hurt their playoff chances quite a bit. For the Raiders, they got up big against the Chiefs, and, you know, they blew that game, but they missed a 30-yard field goal. Their, you know, their defense started to struggle late. I just like the way they're playing for this coach. They're playing so much harder. They seem like they care again. And now at three or above, I'm on the Raiders' side, Eric, because I'm stealing your quote. Who is Josh Dobbs to be laying three points on the road? Yeah, I mean, I actually, I didn't. I, this move kind of. Recently, too shocked me a little bit this opened up a two and a half i thought the raiders were actually going to take the money me too and i actually locked this in at two and a half um josh dobbs is two and eleven two and eleven as a starter as a starter um so this and this is a three-point spread we're not talking about josh dobbs being favored by 10 to where or we're, we're not talking about Josh Dobbs being a dog, right? To where all he has to do is cover the spread. He's a 10-point underdog. Uh, as long as they keep it within seven, here he's good here. He has to win this game. Yeah, and I just don't trust him to do it. 
Uh, I know they're getting Justin Jefferson back, but we really don't know if Justin Jefferson, what connection him and I are going to have with Dobbs. I had um, this kid Reed on my thing, on my, my stream last night, Reed used to play college football. And he was like, look, dude, I've been in this situation before when I was a freshman, I took over for the starter. We had our star wide receiver came back. I had no relationship for him. And I threw the ball to him two times my first game back just because I had no relationship with him. And I've never, he played the slot, read it out and always throwing it to the outside. And um, I just kind of think it's kind of the same thing here. Um, we don't know what they're going to have. Literally zero connection. Um, I'm just going to take the Raiders here because I think Crosby's going to be able to get the Dobbs and make them uncomfortable. I think that um, the um, excuse me, the run game, Jacobs is going to be able to get some run. That's going to open stuff up for O'Connell, and I don't trust the DBs to um, to stop Adams. Where do we head next, Eric? Seattle at the 49ers. And this is just another one for me. This is like a total principle play because so last week, 49ers look incredible. And I, I think we were talking exactly about it, right? The spot was fantastic for them. Right now, they're like the healthiest team in the league, like of all the good teams. And in the first quarter, the 49ers go three and out on their first two drives. They have negative six total yards. They're getting absolutely destroyed. They didn't look good in any way, shape, or form. The Eagles go 12 plays on both of their first two drives and can only get six points. If you were someone, I, I didn't bet the game, and I was at the Rams game watching on my phone, and my buddy's an Eagles fan, and I told, I looked right, that, right to him. They flashed the graphic at the end of the first quarter. The Eagles had 120 total yards, and the 49ers had negative six, and it was six to nothing. I said, you're in trouble right now. You needed to be up by 10 or double digits at that point because you played really well, and they did not. What happened immediately following that? Six straight touchdowns from the 49ers. Were the Eagles ever going to win that game? Probably not. It wouldn't matter. Probably wouldn't have mattered what happened in the first quarter, even if they were up by 14. But this was a defense that was on the field for 92 plays the week before in overtime, the Eagles. So everything about that game looked fantastic for the 49ers. They had the chip on their shoulder because they lost last year and it was a revenge game. They were talking trash to them all week. Debo Samuel was incredible. It was as fantastic of a game of everything going well as possible. But now immediately following that, every single person everywhere has said, 49ers are the best team in the league. 49ers are number one in the power rankings. 49ers can't be beat. You can't beat them when they're healthy. I keep hearing that. They're unbeatable. And it just, the gambler in me always has to play against a team that scores touchdowns on six consecutive possessions. Like you're just not going to be that efficient each and every week. And this is, this is almost it for Seattle now. Like this is a kitchen sink game for you. You're going to throw every single thing you have at your division rival. You've got a couple extra days off now after 49ers got up for their big game. Seattle played Thursday against Dallas last week. I actually felt bad for Seattle watching that game. They played so well on offense for most of that game. They really deserved to win. They were up by eight uh, in the fourth quarter. The Cowboys kick a field goal, so they're up five. 
Following that, they get stopped three straight times on fourth down on consecutive possessions. The 46-yard line, the 49-yard line, and the 50-yard line. So they would move the ball and then get stopped on fourth and short again. Uh, Dallas went from down eight to up six in those three possessions. But they had 406 total yards and 6.3 yards per play against a good defense. Geno Smith looked much better. Metcalf was good. Um, it was only the fifth game in history that there were no punts. One, at, at over double digits, I was in. And I locked this game in at 11 immediately because it was in like the 11-ish range right away. Because when I watch games on Sunday, and I know you do the same thing, like I'm watching games already thinking about the next week. And when I see teams that play so well, and I hear everybody start talking about like, how you play against the 49ers? I'm laying the 10 and a half. I'm laying 20 with the 49ers. That's when I know I have to play against them. Buy low, sell high, Eric. Yeah, I, I'm going to be on the Seahawks here too. Maybe this can get up a little bit to, um, I think that maybe this will well, move up. This is 13 yeah. and a half. Yeah. I don't see more money coming on the 49ers. You know, divisional dog on the road, just what you do. Carol's over 60% yet as a favorite. Um, I will say this though, Purdy, he right now he probably deserves the MVP, but he, he's not going to win it, unfortunately. Because um, the, the problem, like, here's he has been excellent, and by like almost every metric you're looking at, he's been very, very good. He's obviously better than replacement level, right? But for me, I'm I'm not like I have a hard time in situations like this where. He's a top 10 quarterback, I'll say, especially the way he's playing this year. He may not even, there may be six or seven players on his team that are better at their position than he is at his, right? Like, that's where I have a hard time. Like, Kittle is probably your second or third best top tight end. Debo is like a top five wide receiver. Trent Williams is one of the best offensive linemen in the league. On defense, they might have three different guys that are like top three or five at their position. And Purdy is playing offense for this team about as well as you can. But I just still have a problem with him being, he's not even the most valuable player on his team. He's like a very valuable player. And I don't even know when you flip him with others, like a lot of other good quarterbacks could be in this spot and not even be doing as well as he is. I, I wish that, like, I wish he could get offensive player of the year. And I hope, but, but like with Hill and the records he's breaking, cause there should be something you can give to Purdy. That's not MVP. Cause that just feels weird to me, but damn Eric, like that guy's been amazing so far. He's been, yeah, incredible. He's playing, he's it's playing the processing, great. right? He's playing like, great. I, I didn't think he could make the decisions like he does. Yeah. He's playing great. I haven't pulled the trigger on this. I mean, I was, I mean, when you just kind of look at these numbers, what the 49ers have done the last two years as seven-point favorites or more, they're 71% against the number. They just crush. Yeah, you I mean, they, in this situation. It's absolutely insane how the Niners are just covering these numbers. I mean, principle says you kind of have to play the, the Seahawks, Seahawks here. Yeah. I mean, I want to see if I can get a better number, but I – Double digits would be – if it for some reason trickled under, I wouldn't want to go less than double digits, but yeah. I'd be okay at 10 and a half and, and above. We keep rolling along a massive game right next door, Eric. The Bills at the Chiefs. Bills come off their bye. The Chiefs are a one and a half point favorite in this game. Man, the Packers, they did a great job when they played the Chiefs. 
because the Chiefs only got two first half possessions in that game. They only had eight. And the Packers go 13 plays, 75 yards, seven minutes and 40 seconds, score a touchdown. Then they go eight plays, 75 yards, four minutes, score a touchdown. And the Chiefs go long drive, field goal, long drive, field goal. And they're down 14 to six because the Packers scored two touchdowns and they kicked two field goals. They're averaging their lowest points per game average since 2011. Um, yeah, they were stalled by a couple sacks. They don't give up a lot of sacks. Like Mahomes doesn't get sacked very much. And their defense struggled in that game. But we're seeing that Jordan Love is throwing the ball really well because this has been a pretty good defense for a lot of the year. They allowed a season low 47.6 defensive success rate and they allowed 6.1 yards per play, which was their second most in a game. I mean, now you got the Bills here who we, we last saw them losing in that overtime game to the Eagles. Feels like that was forever ago. Um, they, I mean, they played really well. They had positive turnover margin. They had 500 yards, 10 third down conversions, positive turnover margin. They're the first team out of 40 teams ever to lose a game when they had positive turnover margin, 500 yards, and 10 third down conversions. Allen was really good, but he's now 0-6 in overtime games and their field goal kicker has been missing extra points recently that hurt yeah I, I mean this is another situation where it feels like the game we were talking about where before where like seattle and buffalo they don't have many opportunities to lose more games like yeah, if they want to make the playoffs basically a must win um i know a lot of people are talking about the chiefs offense um I think another thing is, and this is kind of like crazy, I have to give my boy Reed credit. They're they're missing as crazy as it sounds, they're missing Juju Smith. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Everybody's out of role there. All, yeah. all they need is like that one other guy because now like it's a domino effect on Kelsey. And for whatever reason, like I think we can look at Kelsey and say, He's getting older. He was hurt to start the year. He does have all the stuff going on with Taylor Swift. Maybe he's a little tired and run down. All of those things, very logical. But on top of it, personnel-wise, like if you're defending the Chiefs, what? Who scares you of their weapons? Just Kelsey. Like you, you, you yeah. go, you double Kelsey, and then you force everybody else to to beat you. Yep, a hundred percent. And um, you know, in terms of the Bills, look, Allen, sixty-four percent as a dog. I think the offense has looked better um you know reed made another comment he's like this is still the dorsey offense that we saw we're gonna see more of the um brady offense this week in terms of play design the play calling the pace of the plays has been different but we really just haven't seen the brady offense just because he hasn't had time to install it maybe the bills here first half because the chiefs won't have time to adjust and won't know what's coming but uh I haven't done anything here. This was three after the loss. It dipped down a little bit. It looks like it's still dipping. Maybe I'll play the Bills first half, but right now I'm just kind of sitting out. Yeah, I'm sitting this one out also. We go Broncos at the Chargers. Broncos lost a big game for their playoff hopes last week. Chargers get a win, a 6-0 win. They shut out the Patriots uh, in the game impacted by weather. It was Staley's first shutout as a coach. It was actually the fewest points they've ever scored in a win in franchise history. They've only scored 36 points in their last three games combined, the Chargers. And they can't run the ball at all. And they're, they've are they had 11 drops in the last two weeks. Give them a little bit 
of a leeway because it was wet last week. So you drop a few here and there in the wet weather, but they've had 11 now and Keenan Allen's had some bad drops. Eckler is just done right now. Johnson had bad drops also the last couple weeks and the Broncos side Sutton, who's been really good. He actually had a really key bad drop in their game after being down for like 13. A lot of the game, they cut it to one score. Uh, They had back to back drives. Um, where they had touchdowns on two out of three possessions, but they threw an interception on their final two drives when they were down by five and they had a chance to take the lead. Any play here, Broncos at the Chargers? I got nothing here. I feel this is an elimination game. I'll lean, I'll lean to the first half under because of that. Um, maybe I'll look to some Javante Williams props because the Chargers do bleed production to the running back. But in terms of side, you know, nothing. This, yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm I'm staying away from this one as we move to a massive game this week. It is the Eagles at the Cowboys. And the Eagles now, after this stretch of really, really tough games, I, I actually locked this one in when it got up above three and a half because I think this is going to be a tight game here. Um, but then this, like, this Eagles team is beat up. They... Um, I think they because they got decimated so bad last week, they're going to want to bounce back here. And they are still battling for the number one seed. Like, it's not as if they can take their foot off the gas here. They lose this game. They could lose the division and the number one seed. They could drop from a team that could have a bye all the way down to having to go on the road for their first game in the playoffs. So I don't think they want to take their foot off here, Eric. And this is the type of situation with Dallas when everybody – feels like Dallas has played well against bad teams. And then they get in a situation like this and it's tight and it's McCarthy and you worry about him making decisions late in the game at three and a half. I locked this in. I'd still be okay playing the Eagles at three. I'd need the three or three and a half here. Um, because I mean, everything you read and you look at with the metrics with Dallas, they've been playing phenomenally and Dak has been incredible, but they have to prove once they have to prove against one of these teams that they can beat them. They just haven't yeah. done it in the last few years in spots like this. My thing also, like, I look at it like this. Number one, we don't know what is going on with Jalen Hurts. Hypothetically, let's say Hurts doesn't play. This number is going to completely bloom, and it's yeah. going to completely get it's higher. over seven, I bet. This thing is going to go up to seven. Flip side, McCarthy had appendicitis. appendicitis today he had surgery is he even going to be on the sidelines what what is that going to look like because right now the assistants are running it a lot of questions here Eagles secondary is very bit very poor they bleed production they added Shaq Leonard which in the in the middle and let me I'll say this his name like he's you know the name a lot of people do he's not that good he's one of those like hard-hitting kind of impactful players like when he has a big play it sort of stands out he's not like an all world linebacker, but he's better than what they were throwing out there last week. Like he, he will give them a little bit more upside than what they had last week. That's so don't expect him to be like a savior, but it's still better than where they were like the, what they were throwing out last week with, they just didn't have very many options. Yeah. Big game, important game. Can the Cowboys finally get one of these big wins that they need, Eric? Um, you know, the real buzzy team now in the in the league this week is is the Packers. And I think very rightfully so. They've looked fantastic. Jordan Love, it was the third straight week where he went from being one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the league to like the most instantly. 
in like a just a three week sample size. Again, I'm not saying this is just who he's going to be, but it's been incredible to see and watch the film and see the placement, like the ball placement that he's had. Um, he's had three touchdowns and no interceptions four times so far this year. It's only the fifth time someone's had that in four of their first 13 games. Brock Purdy actually did uh, in you know this last year and a half or so. He started the game 10 of 11, 109 yards, two touchdowns. They were just really, really good. Now, all this being said, they're the number three offensive DVOA the last five weeks. I think it's this is a spot where are they ready to be favored by a touchdown on the road with this young no. team? Right. And everything they've been hearing, and I'm sure they've been reading how damn good they've looked. Like, I, this was another one that right away, when I saw how well they played last week, I was looking to attack whoever, you know, they were playing against. And I, I this is one that I locked in also, Eric. Uh, yeah. You know, letdown spot for the Packers, Monday night home dogs, six and a half or more, 57% ATS. Packers can be run on. Are they going to be able to stop Barkley? Look, we don't know. Is it Taylor? Is it DeVito? We don't know exactly who the starter is going to be yet for the um, for the Giants. Is Love going to be able to handle this Martindale pressure? Uh, LaFleur, this is the thing that stood out to me. LaFleur is 8-2 ATS since uh, 2001 in the month of December. But however, He's never lost. He's, yeah. I think he's 16-0 and 0 overall yeah. as a coach in December. I just feel that this is just too much of a number. This should I be like three. Yeah, I'll take the Giants here to cover. If this was over, if this was three and a half, I'd still take it. But I mean, this like, could I, easily. I wouldn't surprise me if this gets to seven on some. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it could get it could get even higher. Uh, Giants. We're both on the Giants side here. Final game of the week. Two Monday night football games this week, which is bizarre, especially when they I both. Me too. I especially when they both start at the same time. Like if you're going to stagger them. At least that makes sense, but you put two games on at the same exact time on Monday. I absolutely uh, hate me too. It just it's 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 awful. The Dolphins are a 13 point favorite in this game for the Titans. They're really banged up. They come off that bizarre game, as I mentioned, that they should have won. They had two punts blocked and they missed an extra point. But they have a punter that's hurt. Simmons is hurt. Henry is hurt. And I, like the Dolphins beat up teams at home. I'm staying away from this game. Like I, I if it gets to over 14, I'm going to be on the Titans, but I'm staying yeah. away from right now. You know, Vrabel, 56% as a dog, 59%, um, you know, five and a half or more. Vrabel's team, this is the worst season Vrabel has had as a dog. He's four and six this year. We don't know the health status of Jeffrey Stevens or – Derek Henry. Well, and remember, two of the games that he had as a dog this year. Remember a game week one against the Saints when Tannehill missed the wide open, and they had that like the wide, wide open like receiver down the like they could have easily won that game. And then last week as a dog again, they should have won. And all they needed to do was make an extra point. It's just, it's just absolutely brutal this year with what they have. Fans have some old line issues, um, but if no Simmons there, how is that going to look? Who do the Titans have to stop the Finn speed? Titans are 30th DVOA defending the pass. Who is going to stop Hill for them? Um, you know, one of the trends, teams that won by 30 points or more, 46% ATS when they're favorites, it's 45. Look, I'm going to hold out. I think that we can get a 14 here. If I not, so. it's just going to be alternating in the 13, 13 and a half range. So I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of lay low and wait. 
Let's finish up, Eric. I know you've got uh, another show to go hit up right now, and you. I appreciate you always giving us a few extra minutes here. We will make sure to be following you at etof 21 on Twitter and at etof 21 Sports all over the place. We'll be, we'll be checking out your podcast on Friday. You and I will be uh, also on Sunday teaming up. We're still not sure. We'll figure it out maybe Friday. We're not sure since there's not a whole lot of college games this week. Maybe we'll just lean to Sunday and we can really dive into all the uh, the Sunday morning games there at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. But thanks so much, buddy. I know you got to run. Go uh, enjoy the rest of your night and whatever work. I know you probably had a billion other shows you're going to record right now. So good luck and uh, have a great one, bud. All right. I'll talk to you later, my friend. Thanks so much, everyone, for hanging out with us. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again next week, previewing all the games. But make sure to come hang out with us on Sunday at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time for NFL Betting Blitz on social media where you can follow me or Eric. Talk soon. Good luck this week. Just a couple of weeks remaining at Woodbine. So let's talk some Woodbine racing for Friday, December the 8th. We'll be looking at the daily racing form past performances. And you can get free all-access past performances right now when you sign up for DRF Bets. They have a promotion right off the bat. If you deposit $200, they'll match deposit bonus 200 So you'll have 400 in your account right off the bat. And they'll give you 10 free formulator cards or the all access cards that we're going to be looking at here. I say formulator because I'm using the formulator, but you get those all access cards, 10 of them right off the bat. Then every time you bet 50 bucks, they'll give you another credit for all access past performances. Go sign up for DRF bets right now. Use the promo code stakes when you sign up. So let's look at the early pick five for Woodbine on Friday, $50,000 guarantee in that early pick five sequence race Two is where the pick five begins. It's a five furlong sprint on the synthetic. I thought the two Lloyd, a first time starter, was interesting. Uh, you can take a look at the pedigree here. This dam was a good one. She won the first three starts of her career, including back to back multiple graded stakes races. And we just haven't seen a whole lot of production from Lloyd. Lloyd's a first time starter, but what have we seen from the siblings? Genre. Look at this. Genre is a grade three winner. There were nine siblings that French Park has produced. Seven of them were winners. Park Monceau is a stakes winner. Um, there are five multiple winners, and we've got a graded stakes winner. So we've got some real quality here. Lethal, Legal Eagle, another winner. JoJo's Mojo, another winner. So Honest, multiple winner. St. Jean, multiple winner. Fake Muse was one of the few that did not win. There were only two. French General was a six-time winner. There is a lot of winning in this family. Lloyd is a first-time starter. And this barn, while you'll look at the numbers and you'll see like in the statistics that they don't have a bunch of sample size with first-time starters. When you click on the trainer, you can get the full database. And then you can go and click on first-time starters. See how this barn has done with a bigger sample size. Well, they've had 11 of them over the last five years, and they've won with two of them. And those horses are at fair prices, so they have a positive ROI. Capable barn first time out, sneaky pedigree, and there's just no monsters in this group. 
He's going to have to come out running because at five furlongs, they'll go quick early on. But if he can come out running in here, I don't think he'll have to be a monster to beat this group. The three sugar taps, the horse, they'll all have to beat on the cutback. No doubt. Uh, To me, that's the top tier. I'm going to use two and the three to get things started. If you were looking to go deeper, I think the five will pick some pieces up. It's me, Mario. And the six, cut him loose is a first-time starter. Another situation where they wouldn't have to be all that much to beat this group. The eight, Autumn, so flashy. Comes off of a good effort in a similar spot. But I'm going to use two, three as the top tier there in race number two. So we move to race number three. And the four... It's going to be my top selection in here. Upstart gentleman who chased a wire to wire winner last time out. So I think we can just excuse that race for her or for him. Two starts back and three starts back. Those efforts, they fit really, really well with this group. The two Malibu secret pace factor, probably the one they'll all have to catch and beat in here. This is your heavy favorite Four two is my top tier. The one it worked comes off of a good effort last time out, a win in a similar spot at this distance should sit a good trip. Um, also has a little bit of speed if they want to use it, but kind of showed some versatility in, you know, in recent races. And then uh, the five Chancel is also a player in here. If you wanted to go a little bit deeper, but I will uh, use four, two, one, five on some tickets. If you're going a little deeper, let's move to race number four. I'm going to single in here. The number one, ask in my name. I just don't really think much of the rest of this field. Asking my name comes out of races against better. The blinkers come on. He was a step slow in his last start. He was towards the back of the pack. He was in the two, three path in between horses. He was about five lengths off and he was seventh down on the inside. He got outrun a little bit. He was back to eighth, maybe six lengths off. And then he moved nicely inside up the rail, uh, but he moved into traffic. He, He could have been third that day with a smoother journey. And I think with the blinkers on in this spot where there's not, much else in here who have really good recent form. I'm just going to single the one who's probably going to be favored in this race. Race number five, feel a little bit differently where feels like this is a wide open race, but I do think a, a fair price horse to maybe play to win is the number six tech wizard. So he moved into traffic at the back of the pack and he had to stop, wait, angle around. And he closed really well once he got room and he shifted out. Now he's going to go third start of the form cycle. The blinkers come off. Second start at this level. I'm expecting a big effort from Tech Wizard. The two and the three should both be forwardly placed in here. So I want to use both of them, Whiting Field and Camarosa. The That's my top tier, six, two, three. In what's a tough race, though, I wouldn't have a problem throwing the one in. The blinkers on from the inside. I would not be shocked if this horse got aggressive from the rail after a bad start in the debut. Then you've got the five sugar. It's Eli, who's actually your two to one morning line favorite debuted at Saratoga. Wasn't a bad effort last time out and now stretches out in the seven Sicord, who showed a little bit of speed kind of tactical speed in both of the last two. We'll get Lasix now third start of the form cycle. Six, two, three is my top tier. Wouldn't be against five, one, seven if you wanted to use all of them, but lots of six, twos, and threes for me there. As we move to the closeout race, race number six, I'm gonna look at the number eight in here, Cornwall to start. Maybe another situation where you could even single. Cornwall was traveling really well down inside in his career debut, and he had legitimate trouble late in that race. I'm expecting him, any improvement to be really tough in here. 
The others, the twos, probably the horse to catch. Screen legend with the blinkers coming on. Two sprints to a route. And the five scat factor was fine last time out. Nobody jumps up and improves here. That's the type of effort that will put him in the mix. But no real outside-the-box thinking for me in this uh, closeout leg of the uh, the pick five sequence, unfortunately. There's a look at the Friday pick five over at Woodbine. Remember, it starts in race number two. And you can get free all-access pass performances when you sign up for DRF Bets. So go right now to DRF Bets, sign up, use the promo code STAKES, and you can get those free all-access pass performances. Good luck on Friday at Woodbine. We are back, and it's time to talk some Gulfstream Park and that championship meet. And before we get into anything else, we got to welcome back and say hello to my friend Barry Spears, the sniper. Barry, buddy, it's been a crazy few weeks for you. You had a, a, a real health scare, but you're feeling good. Happy to have you back here talking some races with us, man. Tell everybody how you're feeling. I'm feeling great, especially now, um, you know, getting back on here with you. Uh, it just gives me an you know, more of a sense of normalcy, like everything's kind of back together. I know I had to make some, you know, kind of lifestyle changes, uh, you know, just in order to, to kind of get through this, which is cool. You know, my life definitely changed from that event, but um, things are, things are getting back to normal. I, I'm, I'm very strong, getting healthy, uh, going to get out tomorrow uh, and, and Saturday for a little bit. So um, things are looking up. I'm, I'm just ready to get back and, and, and start picking winners and, and doing what I do best. And uh, a great way to bring you back is to talk some Gulfstream Park, your neck of the woods, the place that you know that you're always looking at. We've got some good races now with the championship meet that opened up last weekend, and we'll be diving into those daily racing form past performances. And DRF has the section for Gulfstream Park every racing day, past performances, DRF picks, and they can also help you out if you ever need help with the uh, the clocker reports and you're going to need help at Gulfstream Park with clocker reports for first-time starters, surface switches. They've got three different services over there. Horses coming off long layoffs that are primed for this meet that are getting ready to start their year. Maybe horses that have been off for a while. So you need any extra help? DRF has you covered every racing day of the Gulfstream Park meet. And our friends at Stable Duel have Gulfstream Park contest all the time, different uh, formats, different um, amounts that you can get your entries in. Barry and I are going to always try to give you some prices. So I've got a few for Friday. I think we both have three for Friday, and uh, I think we both have like three for Saturday. So we'll do our best if we can enter the no chalk zone right now and look for some prices. Sniper, you are going to kick us off. On Friday, I'm towards the back part of the card. I'm in races six, eight, and nine. You are looking at races two, five, and nine. So Friday, December the 8th, race number two. Take it away, my friend. Yeah, race number two is a uh, claimer for Phillies. 12,500 non-winners of two going six on the main track. Um, I, I thought this was a good race to attack because I, I'm really not fond of the horses that probably will get bet in here. The two 
um, Megan making money uh, tends to quit. I mean, if you look at that horse's yep. past performances, every time it gets out in the lead, gets out in the lead and stops, you know, uh, ran on to, to break the maiden on November 3rd on the Tapita. Um, but this is, this race is a lot tougher than that one. And, you know, two to one on that kind of horse in this kind of race is just not something I would want to do. Same no. thing with Greek Mojo. Uh, this, the same sort of deal. Um, kind of gets out there, wings it a little bit, and then and then kind of falls short. Uh, dropped in class last time, was was close to being favored at two to one, and 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 just didn't run. I mean, I, you know, I, I like Louis Saez and all, but I don't know if he can turn that ship <laughs> the right way. Uh, and so I, so leaving that open, especially with them both being kind of speed horses, I went to number four, Martha May Huvier. Oh, oh, this and this is uh, I I can tell you I know this one because this is you know the Christmas angle. time right now. Well, this is Martha May Huvier. This is from the Grinch. This is the character yes. from the Grinch. So I know I know my who's all the who's down in Whoville. I like you. I'm a I'm a fan of that Grinch. Maybe. Talk to us about Martha. Oh, have you have you started wearing your uh? Have you started wearing your 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 uh your Christmas yeah. shirts yet? And I'll start popping them up because I haven't done as many. We're doing a lot. Uh, I've done a lot more audio stuff, but now in the next few weeks, I'll pop up yeah. some ones on the video because I got some of the goofy hats. Even today, as we record on Thursday, it was a uh, Inside Out Day at Milo's school, so I went inside out. <laughs> I turned the Santa hat inside out, and one of the teachers it was really funny. Uh, said, "Oh, I think your um your hat's on the wrong way. You flipped the pom pom." I said. Yeah, no, I did inside out with the kids. And she started laughing. She's like, I didn't even put two and two together. I was like, yep, I got you. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, always got to rock the Christmas stuff. Uh, talk to us about Martha. Yeah, I, I thought Martha had uh, ran a, a pretty nice race off the layoff. I know she took some time in, to break the maiden, broke it in August, and then got laid off for a little while and came back as quote unquote running. I like that line in a race, you know, against winners for the first time yeah now i don't believe that she's gonna need outright need the lead but it wouldn't surprise me if she actually gets the lead here um i wouldn't want to tussle with megan making money but if they do I, it wouldn't bother me because i know she stops um and you're drawn to the if, outside if of her correct. right so you can and you're right. cutting all the speed inside from, from six and a half second off so you should be able to kind of prep like that two back trip Right, the the trip that she broke her maiden, mm -hmm. where she can sit off a little bit and then move early if she has to. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can even see on June sixteenth on the main track in that maiden race, she kind of came off the pace a little bit, ran a great yep. race as the favorite that day. Um, you know, so you kind of figured this horse was going to break the maiden really soon after that effort, and and she certainly did. So I I think you know this race sets up really well. The others, you know, they're, they're kind of dropping down, but they're, they're kind of just dead closers. You know, the, the five sweet sensation, she's spiteful and they haven't been out in a while either. Um, you know, it, it's tough because a horse like she's spiteful actually really caught my eye at the price. But what also caught my eye is the tra trainers 0 for 43 on the year. Um, yeah. they're, they're due eventually, but I, I just don't think this is a spot and upstreet, it's kind of like you, you don't really know what kind of horse that is. I mean, what what what's this horse going to do here? Are they going to go to lead? Probably not. Are they going to take back? Who knows? I mean, that's just a mystery horse there, and, and I just couldn't bet that one with confidence. So I ended up on number four. I think this one's a good play. Barry is on the number four. Martha May Huvier, 6-1 to one on the morning line. Second start off the short little break. Speed can – 
sit off the pace just a bit if need be. Let's see if we can get you that nice price of around six to one. And you are going to also go to race number five before I jump in in race number six. So as we look at Friday and the DRF past performances, you're going to go to the fifth race. You'll go to the synthetic here going a mile and a 16th. Uh Oh, Barry, are you there? Couldn't hear you for the last second or two. No, nope, I'm here. Okay, yeah, I, I think okay. you faded out real quick. Okay, there we go. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. you're up for uh, race number five. Talk yeah, to us about this, the fifth. This, yep, it's a uh, it's a tapita special, as I like to call it. $10,000 claimer uh, going a mile and 16th on the synthetic. This race is kind of a, a weird one. Um, and, and the horse I selected was basically by attrition. Nobody else looked good. <laughs> and yeah. not in this spot, as, as, especially the favorite. I mean, the favorite's tough to take here. It's seven to five. I, I understand the drop in class, but why? You know, the horse doesn't seem to be in bad form or anything. Why this spot? It just doesn't make any sense. And 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 usually that's the red flag. If if I see that, I'm kind of wanting to bet against a horse like this. I ended up on number eight, Doobie Doobie. Um, and this horse has a race back in October of 2022 when the synthetic was kind of new that easily would win this race easily. And I think the last couple of races for this horse since off the layoff since July, they kind of wanted to point this direction this winter. It looks like comparatively, you know, there's, there's some speed on the inside with the one uh, just in time for wine, watch the music has some zip. And I think those two and wicked surprise might end up tangling a little bit. And even grand soiree might be up there kind of mixing it up and that leaves doobie doobie in the right spot with the good jock i think bravo's been riding very very well since he's came over to gulfstream um a few weeks ago and this is just the prime spot you know if you can just look at the progression on how this horse came out of that last tapita race um he had back in november 2022 you know they stepped the horse up to sixteen thousand. doesn't run bad but it's clear that that is not the spot for this horse or the turf ran another good race at Gulfstream in March, then got laid off. Something must've made or went amiss. Then loses the just in time for wine, which people are going to look at and think, Oh, well this horse already got beat, got thumped pretty bad by this one, but that was on the turf at Monmouth. This is synthetic at Gulfstream, a whole in a race where just in time for wine was able to get loose on the front end. Correct. Right. In a very slow pace. It was, it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even an issue. And that horse just wired that field. Then you go to the, the two, two, uh, 12, five races, which weren't that great, but then the little wake up happens at the Meadowlands. And that's the key because you can almost see it's like a, a, a bell curve sort of where the horse was in form out of form. And then that back in how this is back on the upswing. Right. And, and those things combined with the speed being inside, Bravo riding well, we're going to give Doobie Doobie a shot. It's always weird to me, too, when I look in a race like this and you feel like when a barn has the heavy favorite and another horse, I, it may not, it, sometimes it's nothing because, you know, you have separate owners and this might just be the right spot for these two separate horses. But I always feel like if you really, like, like I would at least, I know and I'm, I'm different, so I'm not, t- but if I had a horse I really liked and another horse that I didn't think was quite as good and couldn't win, I would try to separate the horses. I would try to win as many races right. as I could, uh, you know, if possible. And I know that's not always possible. So I, 
I, I'm I'm with you. I think the favorites are vulnerable in this race. A good race to attack. The number eight, Dubby, Dubby, hoping to get a W for Barry. Six to one on the morning line there. So a couple of six to one shots for you right off the bat for Barry with his first two plays. Let me take over for race number six as we move right next door on Friday. Taking a look at these daily racing form past performances. And uh, I'm going to go to a five for a long turf sprint for two-year-old maiden special weight. It's just a really tough, challenging race here. The horse I'm going to go to is the number 11, Dazzling Move, who's actually run well twice already up at Woodbine on the synthetic. So some positives to look at. We know she's already got some early speed. Both of those races aren't bad. And in particular, I like to look at the company she faced in those races. So we can look at in this debut race, she was buying a horse named uh, with water and sand who won that race, came back to finish third in a stakes race next out, and then came back to win the grade three Mazarine. So a very nice horse that she was behind in the debut. The runner up that day is a horse named a little frisky who beat with water and sand in that stakes race. Second time out. So, she lost, she was behind two stakes winners, uh, the fourth place finisher in this race. I gave out last week, this horse's name inundation. This horse won a stakes race at 12 to one um, on November the 25th up at Woodbine. So the first, second and fourth place finishers from this race are all stakes winners. Now, one of them is a graded stakes winner. The, so that's a pretty strong race that September 1st race. And then the October 7th race, it's, that same horse inundation who I mentioned, who's a stakes winner was the runner up sounds practical. The winner is a horse who came back and took a shot, you know, in a stakes race and was setting the pace that day too. So she just has faced pretty tough company in those two races going a little bit longer. She's flash speed in both of those. I like the fact that she's come down to Gulfstream park. Now she's got a few works over here and now she's going to try the turf. And while her damn, Never turfed. Her dam was a solid overall, it lightly raced. But there were two siblings that tried the grass. One of them won on it. And the other one was only 0 for 2. So it's really tough to get a feel for the fact that this horse didn't like the grass. So, yeah, I think there's like a little turf here in the pedigree. We've got two races that are strong up at Woodbine going a little bit farther. So should have plenty of fitness on the cutback has enough early speed to stay with this group. I think from the outside draw, she could be able to sit just off a little bit in here and have a little fitness. I like her in this spot, Barry, the number 11 dazzling move is eight to one on the morning line. Yeah. These are, these are great spots where you can kind of get early in the meet then later. um, Yeah, exactly. Get these vulnerable favorites. And, and this is a perfect situation. Um, where you have a horse that has some experience in a good barn and they're making the right move, as, as I, I like to call it, where they're going to the turf. It seems almost yep. logical that that's where this horse will end up. And, and I like this pick. Got some foundation there. Um, I think dazzling move makes a lot of sense in here at eight to one. So that's race number six on Friday. As uh, Barry and I continue on, I'm going to the eighth race. You're going to go and then we'll both, finish up in the ninth race. So race number eight is a $25,000 claimer going seven on the dirt. It's a restricted claimer. And I thought the three China just overall 
a horse that I, I like be able to go race by race and it all kind of makes sense to me. So l- you see a career debut going five and a half on the synthetic had a little bit of trouble that day, but not a bad effort at all comes back in the only race that she's ever been on the dirt was against maiden specials. And she has legitimate trouble that day. They drop her down in class and she kind of figures out where she fits. She's a good third. She comes back. She breaks her maiden. Then they go a little bit longer. And in now we can sort of get more of a body of work. I think the looking at her three races going long, it just looks like they're a little too far for her. The mile and a 16th. She, she's just a little short. Every time she's gone a mile, mile and a 16th, mile and a 16th. She set the pace and she fades. Doesn't run poorly. Just looks like she tires. September 30th, she's in against 50 claimers. That's probably a little tough, but she was actually favored that day. The race came back very strong and she had legitimate trouble. Now she's in like a really good spot. Seven furlongs at this level for her actually makes a whole lot of sense. And if we're just looking at speed figures, she actually has the best last out speed figure. Like the the best last out buyer for a horse who's eight to one on the morning line. And if you're looking at like just overall speed figures, her last four races, she's got like a 71 and a 75 in comparison with the rest of the field. That's very, very strong. I don't think there's any concern with her like on the dirt, her dam. You can take a quick look and see like her dam was a dirt winner and actually won early on the dirt and was stakes placed in the second start and then took a shot in a bunch of stakes races. So yeah, I think she's kind of interesting. She's the first full from that dam. And I think it's too soon to say this horse can't run on the dirt. And I think she fits at the level, Barry. She fits with speed figures. And I think at seven furlongs, she fits really well too. And she's another eight to one shot in here. Yeah. The, the cutback I like. Um, a lot because you you know that that really gets a horse fit for these kind of seven furlong tricky distance events you know and none of these horses are, are crack horses at this distance no i mean yeah the five who's a favorite kind of dropping down but that one doesn't really make all that much sense in here and people are going to see those two races where you know she kind of ran off a little bit and won and, and gravitate to that plus the fact you have nondescript connections with the three yeah it's going to raise the price. And and this yeah. is a good, this is what I would call a good, you know, kind of off center long shot kind of play. There's a, a second of my eight to one shots and we'll both finish up Friday in race number nine, going a mile and a 16th on the turf course here. Talk to us, my friend, where do you want to uh, head in race number nine? Yeah, we're going to throw one downfield here. Um, I went with number five. Red flag alert. That's so um, funny. I I I picked a different horse and it and I I took a long, long look at this horse and I, I almost ended up here. Uh I didn't, and I'll I'll talk about mine in a minute, but this horse is very live. Uh sell us on red flag alert. Yeah, you know, people are gonna look at this this horse and be like, Oh, well, he doesn't really have the numbers. But if you go back to last year around this time, this horse is running really, really well on the turf. Um, you know, kind of got lost at, at Churchill when they took uh, the uh, claiming crown emerald off the turf and was on the slop. If you put a line through that one, this horse makes a lot of sense. Just that one line. And you see the progression. This horse, you know, at least on the page, will start in July 2022. Horse is right there every every time, you know, at, at better races than what 
she's probably going to, or what he's probably going to face on Friday. Um, then they step the horse up a little bit, kind of going into that tougher optional clamor because you'll get more, you know, kind of stakes types and then, then the straight one other than allowance races. Then kind of tails off. You can see it. Like, you know, they, they ran, they ran around the dirt, uh, ran them on the dirt at Hawthorne. Didn't run all that badly. Came to Gulfstream, ran at seven and a half on the turf at a similar level and runs pretty, pretty well. And the thing that I like is this horse is probably going to be forwardly placed. I, I don't think this pace in this race is going to be all that swift. And if this horse can get good position early, um, I think this one's going to be a monster in the lane because this this looks like this was the plan all along. They tried to bring the horse back on the turf in August. Um, didn't work out. It was rained off. Then came down here and they didn't have turf <laughs> and, and had to run them on the synthetic. Ran it the last time at this level. Switched to the turf. All all indicators say this horse is, is sitting on a nice race. Red flag alert. 15 to 1 on the morning line. I'm going to be right next door with a 15 to 1 shot right next door to you, Sam Baru. So <laughs> if we look at, again, I'm looking at the races that he's exiting. They are a lot tougher than this race that he's in. And what's very interesting about them. Let's look at the chart from his last race. He lost to a horse named Tiz Romantic. What do you see that jumps out? Tiz Romantic went wire to wire. So there's no passing in this race. He loses to a wire to wire winner. Okay. Tough for him to make up any ground there. Let's go back and see what happened in his last race. Like I'm always willing to excuse horses that lose to a wire to wire winner. If there's no pace for a horse like this. He doesn't have a shot. October the 21st. I remember this day. A lot of people had this horse who was like 45 to one at Keeneland in a race where there wasn't all that much speed. Zumi went wire to wire. So now we're looking at his last two races. He chased lone speed, wire to wire winners, didn't have a shot. Um, before that, he's running in first level, like, and he's in first and like second level allowance races. Like before that, he's against cash equity, who's grade two placed. Twist is grade two placed. Fast Buck is a graded stakes winner. These are way tougher fields even look at last year or earlier this year in january and february at Gulfstream, like he's only beaten a couple lengths against a lot better like legitimate allowance races and i think it's just because he came in from overseas and he didn't get disgraced in those first few races so they didn't want to drop him quite yet they kept giving him a shot uh, another thing that stands out is that every time he would have a race or two He'd have to go off for a few months. This will actually be the first time since he's come to the U.S. that he's putting three starts together. He could be set for the best race in his form cycle. He's getting back to long on the turf where we've seen some bang-up races from him. He was only beaten like a length and a quarter and two lengths here at Gulfstream last year with an 87 buyer speed figure that would really play well in this race. The key is, is he in the good form right now? And will he get the type of trip? But I think he can fit with this class level very well, Barry. And because of all these like hidden races, I think his form is just is a little muddied up and buried. And he he's like for connections again. We're not talking about monster connections where this horse is going to get bet down. Right. That this this horse is going to get uh, you know n not much attention, and that's a great thing. 
I, I mean, this is why uh, this time of year at Gulfstream is so great because you get these kind of competitive fields where you can dig a little bit and find some gems at big prices. And that's, that's, that's what we want to do. Yep. And we both uh, handed you 15 to one shots. If you're betting these races, trifectas, exactas, you play horses to win, or if you're a pick four, pick five player, which a lot of people are, these are the types of horses where you throw them in your ticket. You know, it costs you a few extra bucks to use them, but it can really, really reward you. And if you're playing your stable dual lineups, these are the types of horses that don't cost you anything to throw into your lineup. And then you can really spend up in some of the other races where you have a stronger opinion or you want to maybe key in on one of the shorter priced horses. So yeah, bombs away on Friday. We've got some nice prices on Friday, my friend. So, you know, I was thinking about this a minute ago when we said at the beginning, as I get ready to pull up Saturday, some of the folks out there may not even have known what you've been dealing with as much as you're willing to and comfortable with sharing with everyone kind of tell us what you've been, uh, what happened the last couple of weeks and, and what you've, what you're uh, recovering from right now. Oh yeah. I, I mean, uh, I guess I could, I could say the whole story. I, I went to Tampa Bay downs um, on opening day at a great time, went to Disney that night with my daughter. Um, and then on Thanksgiving morning, less than 24 hours later, uh, apparently I had a heart attack <laughs> and, you know, it, it really took me by surprise because I didn't know I was even at risk for anything like that. Um, and I didn't know what it was. I got a real burning sensation in my chest and, you know, I, I was, I just didn't know what was going on. I tried to kind of walk it off like a, you know, a basketball or baseball injury or something, and it wasn't going away. And I, and I had, you know, we called the paramedics. I walked out of my house, the front door into the ambulance and we didn't really leave right away. They took pictures of my heart and everything. And they're like, yep, you're having a heart attack. Let's go. And then uh, we drove off and they gave me uh, that the nitroglycerin and I felt a thousand percent better. <laughs> and, and that's when they knew for sure, you know, what was going on. Got the surgery the next oh, day, man. was home. I got home on Saturday afternoon. Saturday night, blood pressure medication was too strong. I get up to use the restroom, blackout. Uh, uh, my daughter finds me on the on the floor with a busted eye. Uh, I, I needed five stitches there. Um, oh my, my arm was severely bruised because I hit this screen in front of the uh, the fireplace with my arm, and then I banged my chin after all that. So I, I kind of bumped two things, I think, and. You know, I had a real, real nice bruise on my chin and a, and a big shiner that kind of migrated over to both eyeballs, <laughs> but uh, almost healed. You know, the, the black eyes are gone. I still got a nice little bruise on my leg from the surgery and, and on my arm. But, you know, A, I'm glad to be here still, being able to, to, to do this with you. Um, and just, just uh, you know, just thankful everybody for the support. Um, you know, when I told people what was going on, it's just unreal. I'm still outreaching to people, thanking them, you know, for, for, for contacting me. And it, it's been great. You know, this is why I love horse racing, because everybody is together. It's a family. So from, you know, the, the person that contributes the least to the person that contributes the most. When things go bad, uh, this, this group sticks together. And I appreciate it. Man, this was this was a scary few weeks. I was lucky to be able to talk with you a lot of the days, uh, just texting to see how you were doing. But man, happy to have you back. We we're taking it nice and slow with you too, and we're going at a good pace. So, and uh, <laughs> we're 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 taking it easy. But like you said, it 
when that happens and then you're doing nothing for a while, it's nice to be able to get back to, to doing some of the things that you were doing before. So you, you feel a little normal, right? You feel like you're back in your groove and uh, with Gulfstream, yeah, with Gulfstream park here, man, we love you. And I'm so glad that you're back here and, uh, and hanging out with us. And I know Chuck and, uh, and everybody over at, uh, on big Mondays going in circles. They're very happy. Give us a plug on that before we jump on into Saturday. Yep. Uh, big Mondays going in circles podcast, me and Chuck Simon chop it up. We, we cover, you know, a lot of the issues in racing in a candid fashion that maybe some people aren't able to, we're not really connected to any too many things in the industry. So we can kind of speak freely on, on a lot of subjects. Um, you know, and, and that's what we want to do is we want to bring the real stuff to everybody. And we talk a little hoops. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good time. You should check it out every Monday. Great. Great racing talk, more than just handicapping, talking about all the hot topics, positive stuff, negative stuff, anything going on, not ever afraid to, uh, to discuss anything in the world of racing there or sports or whatever's going on with, uh, with big Mondays with Chuck and with Barry. Okay. We're going to go to Gulfstream park for Saturday. Now we got a few plays each for a, a nice Saturday of racing at Gulfstream park. And then man, in the next few weeks, it's only a couple weeks away from Santa Anita opening up and then that'll be a nice kind of kind of consistent. So you'll have Santa Anita, Tampa, Gulfstream park, Oaklawn's opening up this weekend. We'll get a lot of these big tracks. We just had Turfway open up fairgrounds uh, has been underway for just a little bit. So we're really getting into the, the good racing right now as some of these tracks are, are, uh, are under full swing. You're going to start in race number two. I'm going to start in race number two. So why don't you lead the way, my friend, uh -oh, talk to uh -oh. us about her, how you're looking at, do we land on the same one? Let's see. Where do you go? I got a feeling we might, I, I got a feeling we might've landed on the same horse. Um, you, you know, this is an interesting race because you got these young horses kind of, you know, not young, but they don't, Lighten they don't have rate. too many races yeah, under yeah. their belt, especially yeah. uh, like one. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Omni King really kind of fools me here. Because I, I want to like this horse, but I, it just looks like one of those horses that'll get out, get out to the lead, and and kind of fizzle. Um, I like horses that that actually have been running at, at sort of in better races. And I ended up on number four. Blame the good times. Um, you can throw out that last race. Uh, the horse was way out wide, never really had a shot. Um, but if you look previous to that, if you take out the Tapita effort on December eighteenth, twenty twenty two. You take that race right out, this horse stacks up against anybody. A horse on the upswing before the layoff. Needed probably needed that race to kind of get back on the track because and was wide didn't run and just got January. the fit just got right. the fitness out of it, right? Right. And now reported first time gelding. So um that might make a difference too. But I also like the work pattern. Um was that Churchill then comes here November twentieth to Palm Meadows. Has a nice work on the dirt there. Works on the grass one time, which is encouraging. And then does it again in a better fashion. This horse should be sitting on a really good race. I, I don't expect this pace to be super hot. Um, although there is some speed with the five Frito, the inside horse Omni King. And and probably the, the nine will have to go. The 10 is probably going to go. But I still don't think they're going to go that fast. And being honest. where this horse yeah, where this horse is going to probably be positioned is going to be right behind that speed, and I think that's going to be the perfect place because you don't really see too many horses launching from 
way too far back on any of these surfaces other than the synthetic at Gulfstream. The main track kind of plays, you know, to speed. And the turf course kind of does too. Uh, you don't want to be too far back because you want to be about, you know, maybe two or three lengths from the lead at the top of the stretch. This horse should get that trip. Barry's on the 12 to one blame the good times. The number four, I'm going to go to the number seven here headline news who I think is going to be a little under the radar because he has a couple races. I get Pimlico and Laurel. And I think he may get dismissed because of that. But you know, I watched all three of these horses races and he's got some ability. He's a little sneaky. So his debut, he was fifth early on and he was kind of in between horses in a tough spot and he really closed. Well, he just missed third. He had some nice late energy. You could sort of see in the running line that like he's picking up some pieces. It was a good effort to build off of problem is then on July the 7th at Belmont park, he has a, just a, a kind of a widest trip. And then he's off for a few months after it. And it's going a little farther than a mile and a quarter. So I think we can put just a line right through it. He got bet that day. He was only seven to two in that race. Uh, he's off for a few months. He comes back on October the 26th at Laurel park. It, visually just kind of watching the race. I thought he, he showed he's got some ability. So he's the number 13 in this race that we're, uh, we're going to watch. And he's, kind of like he's wide in a race and like with a trip that I just don't normally see running well and winning on the grass. So he's way out wide. It's a fine start. And he's kind of going to try to pick where he wants, but normally Barry, when you're sitting that like three deep or out, you know, four wide trip, that's like a dirt trip. That's not usually a turf trip when you're wide like that, giving up all the ground. And this horse was in like the three path and then out in the four path for the bulk of this race. And he's wide. He's really wide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even like he's wide just off the leaders either, where you kind of just fall into the wind sometimes. Like he's mid pack and wide, and he just stays like out there through uh, like the bulk of this race. Like he's just always traveling well, too. And when he's asked, so now he kind of moves in between right here, and then he's going to kind of tip to the out. And he just always travels well. And when he starts to pick up his piece, uh, starts to pick up the pieces. So here he comes right now. He's in like the fifth spot and you can just, it, he just looks like he's full of run. And it's funny. Cause like I was watching this race the first time and I'm like, they're not going that yep. fast in this race early. Like he, this horse is going to get him. And when he just tips to the outside, like right here in the clear, he like inhales this field, like pretty quickly, goes from a few lengths off to just a few shaking, like shaken up a few times, just kind of straighten him out. I, I think this horse has got some real ability here and he's bred to be like a very nice horse too. And I think because the win came at Laurel and the other race at Pimlico before that, maybe he gets a, a little overlooked in this spot. But uh, I, I think this horse has some ability, Barry. Oh yeah, that that that's a telltale sign. I mean, you know, that's that's just great use of of, of uh, the tools here uh, in Formulator with the the replay because that was an easy victory, and the horse was in hand the whole time, was never looking like a loser despite the trip. Yeah, uh, there's got to be said, you know, something to be said for that, especially coming into a first level kind of optional claimer. This is probably the right spot. I think we give him the exacta. Yeah. 
Let's get it home. 4-7, baby. Shout out to my Nanu. Those were his numbers. My mom was one three fives. She plays those. My my Nanu was a 4-7 uh, numbers player all the time. He'd box those exactas. Let's see if we can get one home for you here. <laughs> my grandmother and grandfather, one two seven six. Oh, okay. One, two, okay. Seven, six. There we go. Um, <laughs> let's both head to race number seven, where I've got to throw one big downfield. Talk to us about who you're looking at in race number seven here. Uh-oh. This is these are races like these are my favorite races of the Gulfstream Park meet. That these types because th- it's a race like this where you do find a horse that might be a Kentucky Derby horse in these. First level allowance races just like this. These optional 75s going like a mile. You'll see some of them as a in like a month or two, like a mile and an eighth as kind of like disguised prep races for horses that, you know, are trying to figure out where they stack up with some other good ones. I just, these are my favorite races to dive into. Uh, how do you see this one playing out and who's on your radar here? Yeah, I think um, we got uh, horses like Cyclone Mischief out of races like this at Gulfstream last year. Um, or was in a race like, like this said, a few years ago, are, like early in January. Yes, that, that, that's right. Yep. And and kind of progressed and ended up being the Derby winner. So yep. uh, th- these are races that you can get prices too, um, because people are going to look for the big connections to have that big horse. And, you know, this is a really, really tough race. Um, you have Sea Streak and Catalytic, who are probably going to take a bulk of the action because of the connections. Yep. Now, the problem is these horses have some speed and I don't think, you know, I don't think they're going to try to compromise that. And you have other speed with the one and they're both stretching out. Right. And then they're doing something they've never done before. They may not even be able to get the distance or or at least not now. This is the time to get them beat. Um, The one has some speed. The two has some speed. The three has some speed. So I ended up on number five, uh, Chisparajos. And I like the comeback race. If you, you know, again, take out that Kentucky Downs race. The horse was on the inside and got buried and had no chance. Probably didn't even want to go on turf anyway. But I've seen uh, Fausto Gutierrez do this with other horses. Come off the layoff at a longer distance and they run well. And then there's another jump up. And this horse ran a kind of comparable speed figure to what, you know, he was doing before the layoff. So that one at Belterra. That is an indicator of what kind of horse you're dealing with. And, and that, that was a that race number, where, like, he's the best horse, so they just put him on the lead. He's not going to be on right. the lead in here. He's sitting in this race. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I exactly what I want him to do. If, if this horse runs the same race he did on November 9th at Indiana, I know that was two turns. This is one. But that kind of effort will win this race because I think there's going to be enough speed and these younger horses tend to quit um, until they have the proper foundation. We handicapped this race exactly the same, almost identical and just use different horses, but the same things we're looking for, even the point about like the connections, this time of the year, this type of the race where people may be looking for horses that, Like, just like I said, you might be looking for a derby horse or something like that in a race like this. I'm looking for the winner of the race and how it shapes up. And I think the horse that I landed on was Mugatu. And so let's get through him a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And, and what's funny about him is like, so he's only run once on the dirt. That was in his career debut. He just missed the break. 
but he got action that day at Ellis Park. Following that, they stretch him out on the turf. And he shows speed a couple times on the grass. He runs really well in the two races at Ellis, off for a little bit, goes to Keeneland on October 12th. Look at this race that he runs in at Keeneland. Um, it's a loaded race. He was one of three next out winners. And one of those horses was a horse named Real Men Violin, who came back and was second in the Kentucky Jockey Club. So a graded stakes placed horse. Edgar Town came back to win a maiden special weight there. So strong race. He was one of three next out winners that day on the grass. The real key for me, though, on the synthetic on November 18th, completely different change of tactics, right? They decide, let's take back. It's not even like they were going really, really fast that day. They were going slow. They went 50 to the half mile. And this horse, they just decided different tactics this day. Let's sit. And the reason why I wanted to watch the race too, because it was another like really impressive race. And it kind of shows you why I got to this horse. But so this is now his second start off the bench. Mugatu is the number eight that we're watching here. And this is on the synthetic and this is going a mile. So he has foundation going a mile. He has a bunch of races going a mile now. And he's one from off the pace. He's the eight in the yellow silks. So you see him, he's kind of in that like middle part. But again, a horse who's really wide. He's four wide going into the turn. He's going to sort of settle towards the rear here, but kind of pick a spot in the middle. And he kind of just gradually keeps working his way up on the outside. But again, he's way out there. He's at least three deep this entire race and will gradually move himself up to four deep. But this is the kind of trip in this race exactly, Barry, that that could win this race. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's what's really strange, too, is they put the blinkers on this horse last time and took him back. You don't really see that often. No. Um, usually they put the blinkers on and the horse wants to, wants to go. And instead, it had the opposite effect, it looks like. And it looked like it kind of chilled the horse out. Exactly. And, and, it gave him just a little more. to settle and, and, and run a really good race. Yeah, and it gave him just a little bit more focus and and not just as runoff because the blinkers will do that. Like they'll get a lot of time speed and focus too. But like you're saying, we always kind of assume forwardly placed. This horse is so wide, even here, like top of the lane has to go way out wide. But when they straighten <laughs> up and I, you kind of keep expecting the horse to stop, but they straighten up and he just keeps going. And I know that on speed figures, He's light compared to the rest of this field. But I honestly think we found the two closers in the race, right? Like the, we have, like, it might be a situation where the right. one, the two, the three are all going. The four is a closer also, but my concern is this horse's only good race was on the slop. That's why I had a problem kind of getting here with this one. So, you know, the five mm -hmm. can sit, the six wants to go, the seven's going to have to try to go stretching out. We, we have the, the horses that are proven sitting off the pace a little bit, going a mile. Yeah, and you know, Angler is, is, is really sharp. I, I've been watching a lot of his horses, and, and he places them in the right spots. You know, he, he's a really good trainer, uh, probably better than he gets credit for. Um, definitely keep an eye on him at this meet, uh, especially with his synthetic runners going to turf and vice versa. He's very good at that. So there's Mugatu at 20 to one. And I will leave, I'll even give you one more right next door before we get to the 11th and final for Barry. I will give you one in the maiden special weight turf race. 
That's also a 20 to one shot. This is a two, another two year old race. So great horses to throw in stable dual lineups, pick fours, pick fives. However, you're playing these races. I'm looking at pet mat and same sort of situation. Pet mat may not be down the line, the best horse in this field, but I kind of like the spot for him. They tried to get this horse on the turf in his debut, but it was a muddy track at aqueduct. And he actually faced a pretty strong group. The winner that day was a horse named Irish gent. He came back and he was beat just a neck in his next start, earned an 85 buyer speed figure in a $120,000 stakes race at aqueduct. So really good effort. Next time out typhoon, uh, typhoon fury came back, won a maiden special weight and then finished third in a stakes race at aqueduct in a field of 12 ran really well that day. So it was a good effort. I mean, that's a good race that Pet Matt debuted in buying a couple of horses who have come back and run well. It was also a race where he drew the rail and it was on a muddy track. So now he gets to stretch out. He gets to move to the turf. He's actually worked on the turf and he had three siblings. You can take a look at his dam. I think his dam never tried the grass, but he had three siblings to try the turf. Stolen base is a grade two winner on the grass. So graded stakes winner, full sibling, uh, half sibling on the turf to stolen base. You've got Thrill, who was a winner on the turf. And then the other sibling that tried the turf finished third on it. Three siblings tried the grass. Two of them won on it. One of them was a graded stakes winner. So plenty of reason why this horse can improve stretching out and trying the turf. I like the race that he exits. He gets off the rail. The blinkers are coming on. And they worked him on the turf recently. I think there are a lot of positive for a horse who's going to be 20 to one for a very live barn who has seven slices out of nine horses so far and could very easily be due for a few winners coming up this weekend. I think pet Matt at a big price, Barry is a horse I'm tossing into my exotics. Me as well. You've, you've won me over on that one. I like this horse pet Matt. You know what this looks like a makeover package, right? Yes. You get the you're stretching yep. out on, Get into the turf, the yep. blinkers on. You're you're coming out of like a strong race. You're moving off the rail. There's like all these little things that you're changing that are all like positive changes. I learned about the makeover right. package that, from a very smart yeah, man. That's that's a good one, especially in, in the maiden races. It's almost like they knew they tried it one way and then they're like, Okay, it didn't work that way. We're gonna do what we were gonna do anyway. So just you know, change it all up. And it usually works out, especially with a, with a guy like Jose D'Angelo. He, he's very crafty. So a couple 20 to one shots on the Gulfstream Saturday card. Hope they can help you out. And now let's finish things up with the pulpit. Two-year-olds going seven and a half on the turf. Barry, talk to us about this stakes race and where you want to land. Yeah, um, this is a, you know, what, what would I be if I didn't give out a bailout on my first? Got to give the go bailout. Back, you know, and a nice uh, stakes race too. Yeah, this is a really tough race. And and um, the thing about it is I don't think this pace is going to be all that fast. I mean, the horse that, that probably will want to go to the lead is the 10, Takayo. But that horse isn't that quick. You know, the leads that that horse have, has had were pretty slow. And honestly, I don't really see too many horses that will really want the lead. I mean, Prevent will probably go. Um, but I'm not really enthused on that horse's chances either at least to finish the race off. Uh, you know, that being said, I, I'm going to a horse that kind of looks on paper that as speedy is the three double your money. 
I don't understand why this horse isn't actually kind of favored, especially since the other two trips that this horse had at Kentucky Downs was way on the outside when the inside most of that meat was the place to be. And then in the bourbon was, was you know, 11 of 12, way out there. Didn't have a shot, and this horse made it to the lead, got to the front, and was very competitive. You know, there's a couple of horses coming out of that race um, that would probably get a little bit more attention, but I think the, the post position and where this horse is going to sit, because Junior is very aggressive, he's going to get this horse placed well, and it's really up to the horse to finish it off. Ran a great race first time out against Hedwig, who, who has turned out to be pretty decent. Then wins second time out at Kentucky Downs, kind of against the bias. That beats stood out three next more. out winners. You see Thomas Aquinas come back and win a maiden special weight next out. Uncle Truly came back to win a maiden special weight next out. These horses earned like nice speed figures as well. Hawks Creek dropped in and won a maiden 40 and then went over to fairgrounds and was second in actually a, a non-winners of two, like a solid race there on the dirt. But quality horses that this one beat at Kentucky Downs and that there's that was nothing wrong with that bourbon race last time out. This horse had a like it's like no. a wide, really wide right. post and it's only beaten a couple lengths Just and even speed it. figure wise, like fit really well. Right. And and you know, I, I just think that this is the right spot. The post position relief is is key. Um, you know, noted is, is obviously gonna be running late um and, and you know with IRAD. Uh but man. And it's going to be tough to run down these horses because I don't, I don't think they're going to go that fast. And, and, and it's tough to do, um, you know, when there's no pace at, at Gulfstream particularly because, you know, the, the, the turf sometimes gets a little dried out, even uh, mostly in the wintertime because it doesn't particularly rain all that much. It's not the rainy season. So it dries out and it gets a little faster. And even with the new turf, I mean, from what I've seen so far, it, it's playing very nicely in that regard not so much like a pool table but pretty fair um that being said i'm not enthused with the, with the front runners um and this one's going to sit the second best trip out of that i think this horse is a must use in your pick fours and any sort of late exotics this is the closeout race one horse who I, what i was kind of interested into and i'll probably use in some of the exotics is actually the maiden right next door liam's journey who you can just sort of look at his races and overall. And then when you watch them, you'll notice too, like it, he, this feels like it's a perfect sort of distance for him. He had legitimate trouble. Right. He wants to stretch back. out. Yeah. He had like the two races sprinting. were just a little short, like this trip right around a mile is perfect for him. He ran in a pretty tough race. Like he's grade two placed. He was in the pilgrim last time out. Uh, those top two finishers, the horses who are in front of him, they were both in the breeders cup. Um, Agate Road was, you know, only beaten two and a half lengths in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Uh, Fulmino was also in the Juvenile Turf. So, you know, the horses who finished in front of him were both Breeders' Cup horses. And now he'll get to be in a spot where, you know, people will say, oh, it's a maiden in a stakes race. It doesn't bother me because to me, the sprint rate, like his first two races are kind of irre irrelevant. Like he ran well enough for me to know that as long as he comes closing in those races, he's a horse who wanted to go a little bit longer. Anyways, he's working like remarkably well too right now here at Gulfstream, like really, really fast. So I think they will try to get him. I'm not on the lead, but with an inside draw, get him sitting third or fourth, you know, like saving ground and oh, yeah. not have to come from way, way out of it in here. Also one thing of note 
with the horse noted, who's probably going to be probably about seven to five favorite. Um, he's one of those horses that we talk about all the time where they come back from the Breeders' Cup, and that's usually when they're most vulnerable. This wasn't the plan, I, I'm right? I'm feeling that. Right. Exactly. They they wanted this to wasn't win the that game race. plan. And honestly, I don't know. I don't really understand why they even ran this horse in that race, to be honest with you. Um, it's kind of weird, especially it's when, like, I don't know, know what like, they want to do. Well, he went and he had fierceness, obviously, too. You know, pleasure. It's just funny to, to now to look back at that race when fierceness jogs like he did in that race. And this is a horse who, like, in, in any grass race that he showed up would have been a really logical player. Yeah, it, that's why it was kind of it was crazy to me, and I even talked about maybe even giving him a chance in that race, and then I was like, no way, uh, fierceness ran the best race, was faster than everybody anyway, um, and and just had that one race that looked bad, and people kind of shied away, and and I was surprised at the odds that we got, but you know, noted is just I I I don't feel right about this horse. No, he's know, he's the type of play against race. for me. Right. Exactly. And and I think this is the spot to play against. He probably will run well and, and kind of be around it, but I just don't want the horse to win. No, and, and we'll find six to five shots that we like better than this every day of the week and twice on Sunday, you know. Noted, he is the horse to beat in here, and Barry and I will try to do that on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Remember, when you're playing the races at Gulfstream Park, play with the race. Uh, Play the races with DRF Bets. DRF Bets will give you a $200 bonus when you sign up and you deposit $200. Boom, all of a sudden you've got $400. They give you 10 free all-access past performances. So the what Barry and I were just looking at, you get the all-access PPs there, 10 of those right off the bat, and then every time you bet 50 bucks, you get credit for another one. Everything you need all throughout the Gulfstream Park Championship meet Barry, buddy, uh, it was so great to hear your voice when we connected on here again. I'm happy you're doing well. Thank you to your uh, your family and your loved ones for taking care of you and making sure my good friend is still doing well. Happy to hear uh, your voice, and we'll be back to work uh, each and every week talking some Gulfstream Park, some Santa Anita when they start up, some Tampa, some Oakland. We're going to have a lot of good options now each and every weekend. Oh, man, it's so great. I appreciate the kind words. I'll definitely give a, a shout to Breezy and my wife. Um, you know, you know, this is one of the greatest things that, that could have ever happened out of COVID. You know, that wasn't a great situation for anybody, but man, you know, the connections that we've made with each other over that time period and how it spawned into this is, is, is just fantastic. I couldn't be happier about it. This is great. It's been a blast getting to know you and, uh, chatting with you every day and just picking your brain, learning from you. And I, uh, I look forward to many more years of this beautiful friendship together. And hopefully it'll be many more years of finding winners for all of you out there who tune in and who listen and uh, who are hanging out with us each and every week. So as we get ready and uh, we're in the middle of the holiday season now, hope everyone has a fantastic few weeks with your family. But Barry and I will be back next week. We'll be talking some, uh, some more Gulfstream Park, most likely. Barry, buddy. Thank you again. Let's make some money this week, my friend. Let's go get them. Folks, if you're listening on the podcast, still a lot more to come. If you're watching videos on social media, thanks so much for hanging out with us. And make sure to follow Barry on social media. Make sure to give myself a follow. And uh, we'll always love talking racing. Always love talking sports with you. Here is my good friend Joey Cleveland with that rock version of The Call to Post.
Time to talk some Saturday racing at Woodbine. I've got uh, some plays in races five, six, seven, and eight horses. I think we can take a second look at. Maybe you want to use them in the early pick five, which starts in race number two and goes races two through six, or in some of your late exotics. However, you're playing on Saturday at Woodbine. Let's talk about some of the races and some horses who I think you may want to use in your exotics. I also think you may want to use these daily racing form, all access past performances. You can get them for free when you sign up for DRF bets. Use the promo code stakes when you sign up and right off the bat, they're going to give you 10 free all access cards for DRF and past performances. And then every time you bet 50 bucks, you'll get credit for another one. Use the promo code stakes. Let's jump into Saturday race number five. So, I was a little surprised too, looking at the morning line in this one. Not that it's that off or anything, but I do think since you left is the horse to beat in here and catch. It just doesn't seem like there's all that much other speed. And she's the type that can really, really look impressive when she's lone speed out there. And I think that's the case in here. She gets the inside draw. She's won three of her last four really impressively. I don't think Wicken. I we know Wickenheiser. I like Wickenheiser. She's not fast early. Uh, Delphia is not fast early. She makes a point. She has some tactical speed, but her toast is not fast early. And Fish Mooney, not fast early. So that's your field. Like there are some horses. Fish Mooney is a solid horse. Absolutely win this race. That wouldn't be a surprise at all. She makes a point. Could sit a really nice trip. Delphia. Moving into a new barn. But just from a way the race shapes up, I feel like since you left should have major advantage on this field. So maybe a horse, if you're playing the early pick five, you could build it around or a single or something like that. If she's anything in the two to one above range, I'm going to play her to win also. Since you left, the one to catch. Moving to race number six. This is a maiden special weight race going six and a half furlongs. You have two-year-old fillies. I thought the number eight uh, bracket very interesting in here. So debuts against a little bit softer, but then she steps up in her second start against maiden special weights. And she's a really good third at six and a half right behind a horse named YMCA. And we see YMCA all over the running lines for horses in this race because YMCA came back and out finished a lot of these horses. So on November the 18th bracket, just, Gets caught behind a wire-to-wire winner, Logistics, when that race going wire-to-wire. And it was just a like a bad trip having to back off of a horse in a race where you're not getting that type of pace. It was just an unlucky trip for Bracket. Tried to angle wide, got into it, but the winner was a gate-to-wire winner. And when you watch the race, it actually looks better visually than it does on paper because nobody was able to make up a whole lot of ground and logistics wins that race super easy by almost four lengths bracket definitely capable of bouncing back to that effort on October the 14th, which would put her in the mix in here. And she's eight to one. I think if she's anything five plus that's very fair. Let's move to the seventh race, five and a half furlongs on the synthetic. If you're playing multi exotics, I would throw the one in. She's not my top pick. Because I'm concerned about the draw and all the other speed in this race. And she may be a horse who has to take a lot of pressure down inside. Because I do think there's a good amount of speed. 
But who I like in here is the number two old blondie. She comes out of a race where she was third. She was inside just behind the leaders and she kept at the inside and her rival in here, Yamar took the spot that old blondie was going for. And she was not going to win that race, but she might've been closer that day. She can pass horses, old blondie, but she has some speed comes off of a sneaky trip. Last time out, she's going to put two starts together after having a few months off after each of her few last few races. I think she fits very well in here. Old Blondie. Look at the back-to-back races in May and June earlier this year. They were very good. So she has a ceiling she can get back to. 10 to 1 on the morning line. Anything over 6 feels fair. And then race number 8 is the stakes race, where I feel like fashionably fab is going to be a very short price. But if you're trying to bet this race and play against fashionably fab, let's talk about the number 5 Striga who got beat by Fashionably Fab last time out. But let's watch the beginning of that race where Striga is the number 11 in the race we're watching. And she was forwardly placed, but she's wide. And look, there are one, two, three, four, five horses to her inside, all wanting to go to the lead. So what is she supposed to do? She tries to find a way but she's pushed way out into the first turn and she has to settle in like sixth or so. She's about three lengths off, but she's so wide in this race. Look at where fashionably fab is second, just off the lead. Perfect trip while Striga gets pushed way out into the middle of the track, going into the turn three, now four deep down the back side here. Just this is a trip that just catches up with Striga. So like at this point of the race, now she's about all in. Remember, she was coming off of a few-month break as well. So I think you could just eliminate this race. Now you get a small field of five. The four My Girl Sky is not fast. The three Talk to You Later is not fast. And the one Tito's Calling is not fast. It's going to be between the two and the five for who wants the lead, who wants to be forwardly placed. And I think Striga is going to get aggressive here. In this smaller field, not going to have to deal with that type of a wide trip or that type of traffic. Let's use our speed. Let's get close to the lead. If the if fashionably fab wants to go, we can sit just off. Striga, four to one on the morning line. Let's look at Saturday at Woodbine. Only uh, one more week remains after this one at Woodbine. We'll be here to give you selections and analysis every racing day that remains at Woodbine. Good luck playing the races over there this weekend. And remember that early pick five on Saturday starts in race two, bumped up to a $100,000 guarantee in the pick five. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper! It's that time of the week again. It is time to discuss everything going on in the world of pro wrestling. Let's talk some WWE, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, AEW. (laughs) 
We've got the Chad Cooper here with us each and every week. And Chad, last week, we talked a lot about CM Punk, but, you know, the last couple of weeks have been good weeks for Randy Orton, who's also made his return, and he was a big focus of SmackDown last week, and it looks like Randy's going to be headed over to SmackDown, and I'm assuming they'll probably split up Orton and Punk. Punk's going to go over to SmackDown this week, and he'll probably end up on Raw, but I feel like the response for Randy Orton has been great. He looks fantastic, and he's really kind of figured out the babyface role, which he he was a great heel through a lot of his career. So I've been really pleased with the last few weeks and the return of Randy Orton. I know AJ Styles calls himself uh, the phenomenal one, but you are correct. Randy Orton looks phenomenal. He does, man. man he does. He's he's jacked, ready to go. Um, I, you know. It, and when you're out for uh, a long period of time, probably a lot longer than what he wanted to be, of course, and of course WWE wanted him to be, you just come back with just something extra. And, you know, when you talk about second generation and third generation professional wrestlers, it's always hard for the younger ones. Uh, Living to, up to it. To live up to it. And this guy, because look, I, I, I grew up in, you know, uh, you know, the WWF world with the LJN character uh, wrestling dolls and Cowboy oh, yeah. Bob Orton was one of my favorite ones, you know, and just to see what Orton has been able to do throughout his career and the longevity of it has been nothing short of spectacular and man, SmackDown continues to roll. And it's very interesting that uh, he's going to be on that brand. And uh, looks like Roman, right? I think Roman yeah, at the Rumble makes sense. Roman at the Rumble makes a lot of sense. Yep. And uh, like always, he's not a, a white meat baby face. He's going to give Nick Aldis a little RKO just to let him know, hey, boss, I, I, I'm going to give you an RKO every now and then. Out of nowhere. <laughs> just out of nowhere there. And I mean, just really good work. It feels like everything in WWE is firing on all cylinders. Um, we're still going in the long game uh, with the the women with Bailey as they're going to try to push her out of damage control and they've just got so many talented women in that like main event picture right now it feels like something's going to happen with Bailey getting pushed out and then there's a lot of directions you can go so I'm I'm quite excited and I'm like intrigued I don't know they could end up with like Bianca and Charlotte at WrestleMania. You know, there's rumors about Sasha coming back in the mix. Who knows what they want to do with Bailey? She could be back babyface again like she was before. Just so many moving pieces here. They threw they added Kyrie Sane recently. You've got Eo, you've got Asuka there in the mix. Shotzi's been elevated because of all this. I think they're doing a really good job with the the women in the main event scene. Yeah, look, Bailey's just been great. You know, she's been great, uh, you know, since debuting on the main roster. We know about her run in NXT, and we had a lot of questions about her when she turned heel. And you remember uh, a few years ago, she wasn't on WrestleMania, and she kept interrupting um, uh, Michael Cole, and she'd had backstage segments. And she has progressed, her character has progressed so much that, um, they're 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 definitely teasing a turn here. I, I think there was a WWE exclusive on social media that had her arriving uh, on Raw and on SmackDown, uh, looking for damage control. 
Um, she was upset. She didn't know where they were at. So she she plays a a, a very good part. Um, I, I do. I am interested to see which which way they go. Will they tease and turn her face? Would they keep her heel and someone else for damage control? This, this is one you know? we were talking about before. It's always – I don't like it when they have the heel get pushed out of the heel of the group faction. by sure, the other sure. heels, and then we are supposed to just cheer for them. Right, right, right. You know, right. like I prefer Bailey saying, oh, I'm done with you, you know, and that makes it easier for us as fans to want to cheer for her right away and for her to go immediately back to being – a baby face, you know, Hey, I screwed up. I took yeah. the easy way out. You know what? That's not how I am. You guys remember me. I'm Bailey. I'm a, you know, like that, that could be a really easy, just two minutes to let us know what she's going to do. And I'm, I'm intrigued. There's just so many talented women towards the top of the division here right now. A nice quick win for Santos, just to keep making him look strong. And, uh, Building him as a heel, and I they're think setting. He's gonna have a good, I think as we get closer, you and I will definitely handicap it. But you talk about somebody that could have a run in the Royal Rumble. He that's should. Santos Escobar. I, I think that's another one to add to the list. That, that early. Er, he's not a winner or anything. Or so. No, no, but no. You no. get him in at number five. He lasts till the final five or so. Yeah, right? yeah. He's yeah. in. He's he's kind of a slimy heel. He's. He, he looks a few times like he's out, but he's not. He does a, a couple cheap eliminations. Could be a good opportunity for him to get over and elevate against some big stars, too. They're speaking, setting of, up, wait, hey, speaking of big stars, what are we doing with Lashley? He's I in mean, the no man's crowd man. has, like, taken over and just, like, made they, him a massive in-house face. Right? I know. And they don't, they don't really have anything for him, no, which is weird. It's, it's, Look, we it's, were in this weird spot with uh, um, the tag team he was with. Remember, we, we with thought the Street they were, Profits. It was true. We thought. Remember, we thought they were turning heel, and then they were. It's, it's like they haven't really had a good game plan with Lashley, and I got to say that's probably one of the few people on the roster right now that that seems like is just kind of in limbo. Do you think you could see something him and Punk? Sure. You know, I know, I, I know some. I, I, the reason why I ask, I, you know, everyone's, you know, working the gimmick there. But I, I saw where uh, Lashley was interviewed, had, right? Yeah, and then he made a couple of comments on Twitter. So maybe that could be something. I could see that. Yeah, I'm not I, sure, but man, you talk about somebody that that could still go and has been put in a bad spot as Lashley. I, but he I still feels like a star. A like deal. you could, you star. could put yeah. him in anywhere against anyone and immediately it would be fine. Right. But yeah. let's get him a little bit of a build again. Let's get him into some sort of a program again right now. Yeah. And they were, Butch had a good match. So that's, you know, I, you know, he, he's being shown again. So, you know, Maybe maybe he and Punk are the first way to go. You think maybe a, a Rumble match or no? Yeah, that would be that would be kind of fun and kind of a little bit like off the radar, right? You don't have to go right into Seth right away. It's like a little if something. You're, if different. you're turning like as you as you suggested last week, if you're going the route of Punk turning heel and and that's the direction you want to go with Seth, a good start would be Bobby Lashley. But they were into him last Friday night. They absolutely were. And other, you know, he's. He's on SmackDown. If Punk goes the Raw, is there anyone else on SmackDown that you could kind of make sense with? Man, I don't know. With Lashley, because he does seem like he's above, like a level of a lot of the other wrestlers on SmackDown. 
besides like a Roman Reigns, who I don't think you're going to put him there because that's where Randy is. So God, I'd love, yeah, I'd love some direction for yeah. Lashley right now. Um, Logan Paul cuts a promo as the U.S. champ, and he talks about maybe, uh, maybe Lashley is going to win this little tournament. Who knows? And yeah. Yeah. There's a tournament set up to figure out the next challenger for the U.S. title. Santos, Dragon Lee, Karrion Cross, Bobby Lashley, Grayson Waller, Austin Theory. Unfortunately, well, maybe that's well. Maybe that's maybe that's what Lashley does, right? That could maybe, especially if they were planning on it being Kevin Owens because yeah, he just yeah, got I hurt, think right? Hurt, unfortunately. Yeah. Again. So he was another guy that was supposed to be in this, and then he actually. Interrupts Logan and he comes out and has a match with Grayson Waller that he wins. So it actually looked like they were setting up Kevin Owens to maybe be the guy and have Kevin Owens in a match at Rumble with Logan Paul for the U.S. title, which would have been a blast. Now, maybe if he's hurt and he can't do it, maybe you can go to Lashley for that. I think we answered our own question. You know, I'm happy that they glad that they gave a spot to. He's not going to win this thing, but I, I am glad to see Kerry and Cross get some work done. I agree. I agree. I, and, I just do. I just. And do. they're going to pull up uh, one NXT superstar for the final spot, and we'll see who fills in Kevin Owens' uh, spot now. They then had uh, the Bianca versus Kyrie match, which was good. It's going yeah. all incorporate uh, in. in uh, Incorporating their feud with these uh, like big group of women that are all re- like raised up to the top of the division right now. Next week, Santos Escobar versus Dragon Lee in the tournament match. Bobby Lashley versus Karrion Cross in a tournament match. Good. Yeah. Uh, so this is tomorrow for all of you who are listening on Thursday. This is coming up on Friday the eighth. You've got Charlotte versus Asuka, which was wow. a Unbelievable match we've seen it a few times And CM Punk returns to Smackdown So that's a A really strong episode For the Tribute to the Troop show which I love I always uh, love that one show of my favorites, man. One man, of my favorites There's like an energy that you feel When you're watching the show that just makes you feel good Yeah honestly Like it yeah. makes you feel good watching it And you just feel like I'm always since I was young, my mom would always record that one and like want to watch it with me too. So yeah, she always got a kick out of that one. So and there's always the Santa Claus gimmick. You, oh, I love Santa. Remember Stone Cold Steve Austin, Stone Cold Foley, Big, Bully. Big yeah. Show, Big yeah. Show. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, always got to be Santa Claus. I was uh, this morning at uh, Milo's school. It was Inside Out Day, so I threw Uh-oh. my Santa hat, my Santa Claus uh, gimmick hat on backwards for Inside Out Day. <laughs> I, w- I did inside out day with all the only there was only one parrot that was living the gimmick at the whole school and that oh, was no. me that yeah. was, all, I was the only parrot that had the inside out me and oh, all yeah. the kids so you know what I'm living the gimmick coop love it. as uh, Orton tells Paul Heyman to let Roman Reigns know daddy's back daddy's back and then he drops the mic that was great Orton feuding with the bloodline now. On Smackdown hopefully Bobby Lashley Can be elevated we'll keep an eye On the injury with Kevin Owens And you know what else I I really liked and I'm glad uh, I I didn't forget It's been with Punk Coming back with Orton He didn't have a match At Survivor Series kind of like Oh LA Knight was sort of out of Sight out of mind but then you got LA Knight Come in for the save yeah yeah. Just to remind people like Hey look we haven't forgotten completely about This guy right yeah so he's still a top babyface that comes out and saves Randy Orton. I like that. Just a small thing, but like 
don't f- let us forget about this guy who's gotten himself really over the last six months. You know, just because you've got a new toy, that was that's what we would complain about with AEW. You sure. know, new Good guy point. comes in, Orton's back, Punk's back. What happened to LA Knight? What they're telling us is, hey, we're gonna build, and maybe you know, not many have beat Sokoa. Uh, I think for for LA Knight, some of the things I can see for him in the future, I think he could get a clean win against Solo, which many people have not gotten. I could see him being the guy to either beat Logan Paul or even beat Gunther at the at if they want to do. And I thought I think any of those could be really fun options for him at yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know when when you bring in these this this big of a name as CM Punk, and then you have a Randy Orton that returns as a massive star. You know, he kind of gets, and it's not purposely done. It's just the way it is. You kind of get shuffled back a little bit. And I could see maybe, I could see maybe him and Orton doing a tag. Um, LA Knight and Orton doing a tag. Absolutely. They should uh, do that on uh, TV uh, for sure. Because yeah. yeah. right now I, I we still got um, six weeks, seven weeks before the Royal Rumble. We've right? got a while. We've got so, a while. Give me an Orton and uh, LA Knight tag match on TV. That would be cool. I could see Orton even like kind of feeding off of it. Yeah. What? You know, like just something like doing little, like a. And, and then a tease RKO when he's not looking from behind. Yeah. You know, posi- oh, yeah. That'd be good. That would be good. Yeah. That would be good. You just. What I really would love to see is I think if you're WWE, the smart thing to do would be. You want LA Knight in the Rumble. You want him to have a long run. He's probably not going to win unless you got something planned for him, you know, on the side. But I'd love him to be in the Final Four with some of the others, right? Because then you keep the crowd that uh, all the people that want to root for him, you keep them invested through a lot of the match. And then yeah. you have him in there, and you get him. He gets eliminated towards the end. However, you want to do it. But I, I reminded me of. Um, the one rumble a couple years ago where they had like Cena Mysterio and Roman on one side. And it was like Nakamura and Finn and like some of the younger guys, like on, yeah. it was just a really cool, like split up. I'd love to see that something like that, where you, where you'd have combinations of like punk Cody, um, you know, you could have drew, you could have LA Knight, all guys that are there, Towards the end, Jay Uso, Sami Zayn, you know, as we move over to Raw, I'm kind yeah. of quietly like, I don't think it's going to be right now, but I actually, I, I'm now really do feel like Sami Zayn is going to win the world title sometime. Hey, I man, I look, look, that was a 20 minute match. And uh, we don't see those on Raw <laughs> no much one. anymore. We rarely see them on PLEs on the weekends. And Sami's been, he's been bringing it up recently. He's been saying, I'm going to win the world championship. Like, this is my journey now, you know? Yeah. And so I think after, and maybe it's next year or maybe it's down the line or who knows when, but with having this other title, I can really see them getting to Sammy at some point again. And I think the last few weeks have been really good for Sammy. He's cut some great promos. This in, uh, interaction with Drew has been fantastic. And Sammy is the perfect type of guy who can have this type of a match lose and it just doesn't take much out of him because he's a really strong good baby face drew's becoming a heel now we have reasons not to like drew anymore um i thought it was a fantastic start to monday night raw these dudes went like you said 20 minutes what don't the thing that was sort of weird 
This week's episode of Raw was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And I wonder if they purposely did it this way or if like, because last week was when they had Punk on and you figured there are probably a few extra people watching with Punk. Like, I wish they would have had this episode last week because I think so many people that would have tuned in would have been like, damn, this is how Raw is nowadays. And this is how Raw has been the last six months to a year. It really is. Like, more weeks than not, it's really good. Instead of, you know, two years ago, we were like, ah, man, there are four or five things we could pick out of the three hours. A lot of other stuff was not. Like, this was a top-to-bottom Really good episode of Raw. Yeah, multiple long matches, some some great interviews. I mean, the first hour was solid. I, I do like the fact that McIntyre attacked Sami Zayn. That sorry SOB, I can't believe he did that to Sami Zayn. But, you know, it plays the gimmick. It does. Uh, Drew McIntyre, man. Because, like, they could uh, maybe have a Mania match, these two guys. Or Yeah, and Drew program. promo was, was fantastic. What do you call uh, the... Uh, what do you call the fans? The land of the liars, cowards, uh, uh, the cheats, or something like that. It was a really, really good promo from Drew McIntyre. It, it, again, you talk about someone that has. I mean, this is a guy that was brought up years ago. Remember, he was the chosen one. He was supposed to be the chosen one, and then they just dropped him, and then he goes to TNA, right? Well, he was three MV. Yeah. Right. He was the chosen one, and then he was three M freaking B. Him, Jinder, and Heath were playing That's the right. air guitars. They didn't even get entrances. They would just be in the ring, and they would just get squashed. Oh my god! And you remember run that? Over like that. That doesn't even feel it like it's even real. like it was this universe. No, it's not it, even that, like this lifetime. Doesn't even feel like that's the same person. That's like, oh, that was that Drew's little brother. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, but he was, was baby faced. He didn't have the beard. Then he popped no. up. No, him. Then he pops up on TNA, and, and he's awkward. amazing all of a yeah, sudden on TNA. Like, it was really awkward. Wait a minute. And it's just was like, he Drew Galloway, right? Drew Galloway. That's it. Yeah. And it's like, oh man. He but comes again, back to NXT, and what happened yeah. was like, what he did was he wanted to earn his stripes. He did yeah. the same thing Cody did. They did yeah. the same thing, where it was like, let me go away. Let me show all of the people that – because I think Cody and Drew are were kind of similar templates, honestly. Like, Cody, when he was coming up in the WWE, he really wasn't that over. He was never – you know, because I think a lot of people kind of had that, oh, it's Dusty's kid. You know, they're going to force push him kind of a thing, right? Like, oh, uh, it's going to be like a David Sammartino or, you know, it's going to be like how it was with, with Flair, you know, one of Flair's sons and they tried to push, you know, that – weren't really wrestlers. And oh, yeah. then Cody leaves though. And drew did the same thing. It's, they were like, let me go away, prove to all of the in- indie fans and all of the wrestling fans that I'm good. And, and they did that. And, and man, Cody- let's not forget because it seems like it's been ages ago, uh, you know, 2020, 2021 during COVID, he was the world champion. Remember he didn't have that mania moment. Drew Remember was the, it was just, the guy. He was, he was the man. He comes back to NXT. He does amazing in NXT, and he proves himself there, like yeah. showing everybody, hey, look at me. I can have these incredible matches. Then they bring him up, and when he comes up, they just treated him differently right right off the bat, like a big deal. He was kind of floating around for a little bit where he didn't have, like, much, 
And then I remember he had a match with Roman. And like after that, I just kind of feel like out of nowhere, all of a sudden this momentum started building for him. Yeah. You know, like a few months before the Rumble where it's like Drew McIntyre is going to win the Rumble. You know, like it was just like one of those weird things where it was like slow, steady build. And then he has the Rumble. He eliminates Brock. It's amazing. They have that cool. And then the pandemic hits in yeah. March. You know, yeah, just that, uh, just the promo alone on Monday night just and, was amazing. And what was great was it was like kind of hypocritical too, which is perfect when you're a heel because he said something along the lines of, Apparently, you can leave the company for years and just come back, and all is forgiven. Like, <laughs> you did. What do you mean? Like you did this exactly? Yeah, that's you, know? you buddy. It's, that's the great heels that are like delusional. You know, like they don't even realize they're being a heel. Like it reminds me, and I've heard people bring this up. My favorite wrestler of all time, Bret the Hitman Hart, um, dude. And in '97 when he starts turning heel and he's doing the Canada gimmick, but it all started exactly like this when he kind of got screwed out of a couple title matches. Like he was supposed to be in a match and then they gave the match to Sid and Sid ended up winning. And then he was in a match and, or he was pissed off. Brett was because the way the Iron Man match ended, right? Like he survived. They never told him he was going to have to do extra time. And then he loses an extra time. And then, you know, in the Royal Rumble in 97, he th eliminates Austin, but the referees don't see it. They've <laughs> yeah. got their backs turned. Austin comes in and throws Brett out, and Brett's furious. Like, what? How does Austin win? I eliminated him. And <laughs> it, it was great because, like, I was 10 years old, and I would be watching, like, Brett's getting screwed. What the heck? You know, I mean, so, but, but everybody else is watching, like, Brett, stop whining. Like, quit whining, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what Drew is right now. He's got reason to be upset, but now it's like, just quit whining, man. And it reminds me so much of the Brett heel character because oh, there's yeah. some truth in it. Yeah, there are. Yeah. It's just, he's going too far with it. And damn, like, Drew and Sammy, I just feel like coming off of this episode, I feel like they're both in a really good spot. And even Very a few months spot. ago, we were always worried about these guys that they built up Let's be fair. These two guys were probably the two of the entire Roman Reigns title run that we said, should they be the guy to beat him? Like before Cody, I think it was those two guys. It was Drew at the Clash, right? The way they built that up in front of his family and everything. And then he didn't do it. And then it was Sammy, we thought, maybe at home, the elimination, whatever they're going to do it. Could they do something crazy? And, and they didn't do it. And I was worried for a little while these guys weren't quite as over, but it's amazing they've used that as part of their character now and their story, and they are leaning into it, which is so great. Like, I'm so bummed that Kofi Kingston never did this with the Brock yeah. side. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. he never used it to be part of a story. And it, I just, I was really pleased with how Raw went and the, that's a great, like, really good start to Raw. And, yeah. And then, like, the story of Raw, they're building up main event Jey Uso. They had a great video package there, man. And, like, Jay cut some a fantastic promo later in the night. Just, like, they made Jay feel like a star. I don't think anyone thought Jey Uso was going to win the title.
but there were still three or four times in the match where the crowd, oh, like, <laughs> they bit. That's what wrestling is all about, man. And like, we give Jay credit. You got to give credit to Seth Rollins for how great a job he's done as the champ right here. Like we just talked about four guys, Drew, Sammy, Jay, Seth, that are just like four guys, but that's not even Orton and Punk <laughs> and all the others like that we know are and Cody are major players and like the Judgment and Shinsuke Day. Is, and Shinsuke is rolling again. We didn't, haven't even talked about Judgment Day yet. No, like, man, just good, good stuff. So I think you, I think you have Sammy off TV for a while. Maybe he yeah, shows up at the Rumble. Yes, yes, right. Yes, you just yes. You, you don't. You, it's a surprise, but we're kind of a surprise that we're expecting. And he can eliminate Drew, or he. The, there there's you the, go. There's the moment when Drew's in the ring alone, and Sammy's music hits, and Drew looks up like, uh oh, you know, that's. I love that moment in the rumble when you get the fate. Like I always remember the Austin faces or the flare when they're in the ring and it's (gasps) the best. No. (laughs) Hey, and I think you hit it too. I think this would be a hell of a WrestleMania night one or night two match with Sammy and Drew. I I think they'd tear the house down. They would. That would be a blast with these two guys as a shout out to, you know, whether or not, any, if you're listening, if you personally love Nia Jax or not, they've done a great job since they brought her back. Of yeah, and building her, and her. did really well too. I was surprised because I had I had concerns going into this match. Me too. I was, I, I was I was surprised they they put on a good another again a ten minute match on Raw on the women's side. We don't see a lot of that unless it's Becky, and it was good. And I think. Sometimes it doesn't it doesn't get as massive of a response because the fans don't know who to root for here. Yeah, yeah. Right. We've been taught that both of them are heels right now. And so it's like if there was it was a really, really solid match, honestly. And and with Naya now, looks like she's gonna go to Becky. Becky. Yeah. And I believe I read that they've never had a televised match. That's, That's crazy. That is crazy. Because they had the like the interaction, you know, when which kind of sparked the whole, the man. Hey, and you know what? I love this little part. And this is what drives you nuts that AEW doesn't do before the Shayna Nia match. They let you know that those two used to be the WWE women's tag team champions. Boom. Very small. Just, I, I just picked it up. A genoism. I picked it up and it's just, like, cause I had forgotten. I I completely forgotten. Remember, they had a long run. Yep. As the WWE, and I, and I as like a bully forgot. team. Yeah. Oh wait, oh wait a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do remember that. So I just I just found that very refreshing that a lot of promotions just don't do that like WWE does. Just a and, little one second reminder. And this is a thing they've been doing a lot more since Vince is gone, right? With it when he's yeah. not in their ear. Triple H is like. And I think Michael Cole even just brings these things up on his own, too, yeah. right? Because yeah. he just is – like, we've heard Michael Cole, dude. He's so good when there's nobody in his ear. When he can just be – like, let me let me call the sports like I'd want to call the sports. And he's giving us the backstory, and he's giving – like, that really, really good stuff. And it's it's simple in wrestling. That's really all it takes. Just a few, a few moments, a few lines here and there. Heck, they're even – Getting Johnny Gargano Man, and DIY over for the first time. They haven't really been over on the main roster, but they give him in a two out of three falls match. And now, Chad, it's been 
I don't know, four or five weeks in a row where you see them wrestling on TV. This is how Gargano and Ciampa are going to get over with their wrestling. And then you get, you become endeared to them because they're good baby faces. They fight. They're really fun in ring. And then all of a sudden, some of the corny like backstage stuff will start to hit a little bit more. We even had a segment with them backstage uh, with uh, for Candace and Indy. Which yeah, good to see. yeah, made fun of uh, Kaiser. She did like a Gunther, like she yeah. did a voice that was kind of that was yeah, kind of funny. They better impress them. <laughs> yeah, made me laugh a little bit there. So, yeah, hey, and, I, I, I like it that uh, that they uh, that Ludwig and Giovanni have been losing. Yeah, Vinci have been losing. I just do. I, I think it's gonna cause. I, I don't know if it causes anything, but it really. It, what it does to me, it just builds Gunther even stronger and like a more imposing figure that he's, you know, you kind of watch these older cartoons that it's got this big, bad, bad guy boss, but his henchmen always get beat up, but it's always a big, bad boss, like save, you know, you know, exactly. You know, like, I'm watching uh, like to me. I watch uh, my, Milo is into 101 Dalmatians a lot right yeah, now. Yeah. Cruella's yeah. got the henchmen, you know, yeah, like the dumb yeah. guys that go steal the dogs and they get yeah. tripping. They're tripping all over the place and they're falling in the water. And it's like Biff from Back to the Future, his guys. Yeah, what are we right? doing, boss? What are we yeah, doing, his, boss? His henchmen, they, they drive into the manure truck, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like it's the same thing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, and what's cool is that they've given Kaiser enough of a character now to where, like, they can have, I can see them doing it where it's like, Kaiser is the one that turns on Vinci, and it's like, Kaiser and Gunther beat up Vinci, or Gunther and Vinci beat up Kaiser, or Kaiser and Vinci actually say, screw you, Gunther, and they both leave, right? And they're like a babyface tag team, you know? Maybe that's what happens in, like, how he loses his title, in that they're not there to help one time when they're supposed to be and they're, you know, I, I just, there's a, a bunch of ways you can go now, which is really fun. And yeah. um, I think like, I actually think Kaiser would be a really good baby face. I guess yeah, he would. Yeah. He could come, he would come out and like, uh, uh, like, you know, what was, <laughs> like, what does he say at the start? Like, ring, like the rings and <laughs> like, I could see him having a thing that people would say. And love because he's got this corny personality and they tease the stuff with him and Maxine and like, yeah, I'm, sort of a side tangent. I sent you the video the other day. They got to show they need to do a segment on both WWE and AEW. Like when they come in from a commercial, one of their commercial breaks, they should have a segment like they show on their social media where it's the best social media like pictures of the week or like the videos of the week. Cause if they showed some clips of some of these people and their own real life personalities, it would get them over. Yeah. I mean, there are like, we talk about a guy like Omos who's like funny and really eloquent, but you try to get him over and it doesn't really work. If they showed some videos, there was a video I sent to you that was Maxine, Nia Jax and Raquel. Yeah, like twerking, you yeah. know, and they're and it's like a TikTok video, and instantly, in like two seconds, Raquel became like super likable just because she was like 
shaking her butt, you know, like she was just all <laughs> into it. And it was like, you could see that the three of them were just having fun and into it. I wish, I, I would love for them to come back from a commercial break with just like- Twerking? A, right, you know what I mean? Like a few, a few seconds of this or like a few seconds of when, you know, Tazawa and, and Gable are like playing a joke on each other. You know, like little things like that. I think AEW would really help too because they don't have, there's so many of their wrestlers that don't have like any character to them yeah. at all. If That's we could just see some personality, a uh, little bit of a tangent, but really love this match with Johnny Gargano and Ciampa and they win a two out of three falls match and like, cool. Now we're really building up this tag division. And speaking of the tag division, we get the Creed brothers backstage like showing some personality to them right with the new day so we're giving them personality but then we also have them go out in the ring and kick ass it's man and 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 somebody made a very good point on x slash twitter during the match you know that third hour is when numbers start to dip because we've been there this was a really again another solid match that you mentioned on this card, but this time it wasn't the main event and it came in the third hour and it was a tag match and it was really good. It was, it was really good. And when, uh, you have the Creed brothers beat the Dominic and JD after the match, Dominic and JD are talking to priest and priest is like, what the hell, what happened? And they're just like, Hey man, they're legit. And priest is like, Oh, okay. You know, like they're they're like putting them over. I yeah, love the way they did yeah. that too. Yeah. It was like this little thing, and whoa, okay, they just good catch. They put them over there. Um, yeah, that was that was a blast, dude. One even one of my biggest knocks has been our biggest knocks, and a knock that I don't think anybody could say like a whole lot of positive about the last couple of years has been the women's tag division. But all of a sudden, they get Chelsea. We could just tell. First, it was it was Chelsea and Sonia together, right? It was Chelsea and Carmella. Yeah, you know, yeah. she had all these different partners, and they kept getting hurt, and they kept trying to put her with another partner. But honestly, the women's tag division started becoming relevant again because of Chelsea Green. Kudos, Gino. Kudos. Hundred percent. And it and it was this is perfect because Chelsea comes in, and immediately she's got this great character. That they're just like, we've got to find a way to get her on TV as much as possible. And that doesn't mean because Chelsea's character isn't the type of character who's supposed to go in there and beat Charlotte and beat Bianca and beat Asuka and win the Royal Rumble and win the title. But that doesn't mean she doesn't have a really valuable place every single week. And we can't find a way to get her on TV and in ring because she's like super underrated in ring. She's a lot better than people even really want to like mention or give her credit for wrestling. Uh, I think because her character work is so good, she doesn't have to be as incredible in the ring, especially when she's getting beat. But now her and Piper together have a little chemistry. And all of a sudden the, the one real legitimate tag team they've had for a while, they're building up Carter and chance. Yeah, they have them that come out up from NXT. Remember, and we were like, "Man, that's odd. Aren't they the champions? And, Weren't they and the then, champions when they got brought up?" Yeah, in the they last were. like few months, we've seen them lose all the time, and 
they they are really good as a tag team. They're like one of the only teams that like has the same gear, uses tandem moves, like looks yeah. and feels like a real team. So and now I think they're, they're going to win the titles too. I think, and they, they probably should, but they should, this is yeah. great. Like this is what you wanted. Just a couple of legitimate teams there. I, I think what, what you could do is they could win. And then all of a sudden you bring back, um, the women on SmackDown that they had teased a little bit. Um, the witches, Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. were really, really good. Remember, you brought them up to SmackDown. They had that awesome match with Ronda and Shayna. They did. That's it. And then yes. they were just gone. They disappeared. We just hadn't seen them. And then we got a couple of vignettes, like, I don't know, like a month ago, that were like, they're coming soon. And maybe, maybe that's we're, what we're waiting for. We're waiting to get the yeah. tag team titles onto the babyface team. And then you could have them as the heel team. And they could have some fun because those are two legitimate women's tag teams you know yeah and this was and this would be a good match for raw for the titles to change hands yeah on raw you know chelsea has been so good at her character work going back to you know the tna days when she was the hot mess um so and, I know good, man. She, and i know she's focused a lot on that on that side of things acting classes she's been in some movies but look she's married to a guy who had knows how to get himself over who is having the greatest moments of his career of anyone that's ever left the WWE. And I don't, and no one has been able to say that on the indie circuit. And so he knows how to get himself over. And I think that's what she did when she remember, look, she was a part of this company and then was released. She was in NXT. She was supposed to be with maybe her Deanna Perrazzo and uh, Rachel Ellering back in the old black and gold NXT. They were supposed to be this trio called VXT Rachel Ellering blows her knee out. Things just go awry. Deanna gets released. Chelsea gets released. And here we are again. And she is, hey, I, I'm just going to do what I know how to do. And it's just been really, really refreshing. I, and, and you don't have to wait for Raw or SmackDown to see her do these things because she's very, very active on she's social great. media. And WWE just picks it up. And it's just, you know. They love it. great, man. She well, looks this great. Is, like you said, she... She picked that up from Cardona, who has sure. been one of the best, honestly, ever at getting themselves over. He did it with the Z true Long Island story. Like, Z, yeah, yeah. He, like, who he does was that? Nobody. posting himself online when nobody else was doing it. Like, he would do things that nobody else wanted to do. Like, they would try to say, hey, we, we need you to come over here and record these segments. And none of the other wrestlers wanted to do that. And he would do it because he knew it was a way to get himself over. This guy is smart. He gets it. And Chelsea does too. And I mean, she will, I would not be shocked if, if at one point she's a women's champion. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I mean, it's, be, it's, it's like a Miz type. Why would exactly? You? No, because she, we, we've talked about it. She would be perfect to win the money in the bank at some point, cash it in, especially if, I mean, if she still had the pairing where you've got Piper there with her, yeah, right? Where you yeah. could have Piper be like the one in her corner, and then eventually she turns on her. She turns, and, sure. And and you've got you know a a, a a a match there. So yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they're even gonna do this and maybe elevate Chelsea a little bit off of this. I don't know if it would be immediately, but in the next year or so, I could really see that from her because she's done a fantastic job with every single thing. They've given her uh, Nakamura, man. Ooh, He's going after Cody. 
and uh, Nakamura and Cody is all set up. So they made it like make sense real quickly. Like all it, it wasn't like, oh, I hate you, Cody. It was, hey, we've been down the same road. We came in, we won the Rumble. I didn't finish my story. I don't want you to finish yours. I'm not going to let you finish your story either. Boom. Like uh, there was probably a couple guys back there in the room sitting there going, how can we make connection with Nakamura and Cody? Right? Like yeah. this is the, this is the feud we want to go to next. Let's make a connection. They should do this on every single feud they have forever. Just a small, like just right there. Like you pointed out, um, what they said with Naya and with Shayna, right? All it takes is a few minutes sitting down. How can we connect this? Sammy and Drew. Sammy said, Drew, the same thing happened to me. You're yeah. bitching and complaining. I lost in front of my family, but I'm not whining and complaining here like you are. I, they've been doing this in all these feuds now, just tying them together. And it just makes me care so much more. Now I want to see this. And that matches next week. I think it's in Cleveland mm-hmm. and on, on Raw. And I'd imagine it's not going to be a clean end, right? No. Like, no. Something so that way we get this match again in another two or three weeks. Maybe and, the mist comes out again from Shinsuke. Maybe we get outside interference shenanigans. But I expect them to go 15 to 20 yep. without a doubt. And Cody talked, yeah. Cody talked about how he, you know, he, he saw the mist when he was a kid. And I it just very, very good here. And not only what this does is what the last few months have done is I think sh- show – some Japanese wrestlers and maybe some foreign wrestlers who don't speak English or don't speak English all that well, that look what they're doing with Shinsuke and the promos and the subtitles and the way they're presenting him. They didn't do this kind of thing before. No, they, you know, they were cringy a lot of times with how they would treat a foreign character and a lot of times it was always a heel and you had to be a bad guy and like this is Shinsuke being a bad guy but he's not being a bad guy because he's the foreign guy he's being a bad guy because he's being a badass who wants to beat people up and hurt them and he like I, like if you're someone like Okada right because we hear his name popping up yeah. he's gonna yeah. be a free agent soon if you were looking at Places to go. Shinsuke is your friend. You give him a call. You talk to him. And he says, look the way they're presenting me right now. You know, they could do the same thing for you. I'm, I just think that doing as well as they're doing with Shinsuke could have a really positive domino effect for them. And for people wanting to come here and say, hey, you know what? If I got that kind of treatment, I could get over too. Uh, a good point. Um, because I think he's up for... Uh, what is Okada? What's the rumor that he's a free agent sometime yeah. next year? Because it's January is when they have their Wrestle Kingdom and all of their contracts come up, up right after, after the Wrestle Kingdom. And then because right. we've seen a bunch of people show up at the Rumble. Yeah. You know, that's when AJ that's right. and Nakamura, you know, that's had right. showed up not long after. Interesting. Um, so Could he be a surprise in the Rumble. Sure. Or, or maybe right after or something with the Nakamura. Um, that would be a blast. He's someone that is amazing in ring, still young, and maybe he wants to come and have a good payday. Who knows? Maybe he prefers AEW. He's got the connections over there already. He knows a lot of them. But I think anyone seeing how well they're doing with Nakamura would probably be a positive. And, uh, man, we talked about Jey Uso. He cut a great promo. 15 years to get a world title match. 
Um, and, uh, you know, just big match for him here. And they have an incredible match. And Rollins picks up the win. It felt like a main event on a pay-per-view. And as they go to hug, they slap hands. And here comes Drew McIntyre. Claymore kicks Jay. <laughs> and then Drew attacks Rollins. And uh, he puts Jay through the announce table. And Cole's screaming and he calls him a bad guy. And then yeah. what does Drew say? The truth will set you free. Set you free. <laughs> that was a really good episode of Raw. It, it, it was. really was, man. And, and you mentioned Michael Cole saying things. I made note of this. I, I, before the match, the main event, he said it was a very emotional day for Jay Uso leading up to tonight's match. It was 14 years ago today. Since the passing of Umaga And I oh. thought that was an extra I thought that was a valuable yep. piece Of the puzzle that made you think Okay, maybe, maybe today does win this thing yeah. tonight. You know, just again Michael Cole, kudos You know, just for little you know, tidbits like that I was a big Umaga fan I, Me I, too I, I like the character um, You talk about a guy that uh, That was super, super talented But, you know uh, we lived. So well, he was fast. in the he was in the battle of the billionaires, right? Yeah, with yeah, Vince and, yeah. and Trump. It was Umaga and Lashley. That's right. You know? Yeah, as the, as the proxies, and he had a badass match at the Rumble with Cena one year. Umaga, that was yeah. just amazing. Yeah, um, I've always been into that character, but I thought it was really, 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 really nice. A good touch for Cole to add that before the match. Okay, let's get over to NXT, Coop. Let's preview the deadline pay-per-view that we have coming up this weekend. We'll go through the listed card right now. A dark match, Axiom versus Nathan Frazier. That'll be a really good, like, pre-show match to get the crowd into it, right? Those two guys can both fly around. I love uh, when they had their little interaction backstage. Nathan Frazier said, I'm going to hit your face. I'm going to hit you all over the face. It's going to leave a mark or something like that. And Dragon or an... uh, Axiom's got the mask on and he says, Oh yeah, don't hurt the moneymaker. You know, I, was like, <laughs> I just thought that was funny the way they uh the way that they they set that up. So on NXT, I was actually tearing up a little bit with, with Wesley. Chase U? Oh no, I'm just mad. I just messed with, with Chase you. U, with Chase U. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds no. of thousands of <laughs> Chase U is in trouble. No, but no. Wesley, I, man. This this was and brutal. This was tough to watch, man. It, it was, was as great of a promo as he's ever cut because it was real. He's literally because it was real. Yeah, he's crying. He's he's got a like a walker. He wanted to walk in the ring. He said, "I'm in pain just standing in the ring talking to you right now." This guy's been. He's had a couple setbacks in his career. He's come back bigger and better and stronger and like more over each time. But now he's going to be out for a while. And when it's back and next stuff, you never know. Like, lots of positives, though. Think about Edge, Brian Danielson, Soraya, right? Corey, yeah. like, all these people who have had that stuff and are now cleared. But this is a guy who, he was definitely going to beat Dominic. You know, like, they were building him back up oh, to beat sure. North American champ again. And we had said at one point, like, maybe he was going to be the, the next NXT champion. Like, a- that could have been totally legitimate for him to be that at some point. And now he's out. They have a good replacement to bring Dragon Lee in, but man, I really feel for Wesley. That was an amazing promo and um, just a bummer because that's not a, that's not a work. That's a shoot. 
Yeah, it's tough because I'm with you. I think he was going to win the championship. I really do. Um, he's he, he's been a lot of ups and downs in NXT. His partner uh, going rogue, um, and we didn't, you know, uh, AKA they were the rascals in the indie scene, and they were the hot, um, you know, tag team um, from TNA who came up to the big league, signed with WWE, and uh, this this was going to be the next big tag team for the WWE. Then they had the split up and we wondered if Wes Lee was going to make it as a solo star in uh, the WWE. I, if you didn't believe anything up until Tuesday night, believe it now, because that was uh, number two. That's hard to go out and do when you know you're going to be sidelined and you probably know that you were going to be booked as the champion this week. You knew you were going over this weekend. And to go out there and have to do that, it, it's not easy. Not everybody can pull it off and be believable. It was great stuff from Wes, and uh, good luck. Hopefully he gets over that injury very quick, and he will be back soon. We'll keep our fingers crossed. They had set up Roxanne versus Kiana James in a steel cage because these two women, they can't keep uh, they can't keep their hands off of one another. <laughs> they just brawl all over the place. They were in a qualifying match. And they both just brawl all over. And I will say, like, Roxanne is fiery right now. Like, she's really, I'm not sure if they're going heel or whatever with her, but it was like somebody told her to show, like, a little more, you know, fire, a little more, like, like a little more intensity. And she was like, okay. And just went full speed intensity, everything she's doing. She's, like, even her matches, um, she, it, it reminds me of Braun right now. It's like, cause I don't think they know what to do with Roxanne. Like they're done with her almost in NXT, but they, it's like, they're waiting to bring her up, but she's like, you could tell in a different way that Braun, Braun was working on his character, right? Braun was kind of boring before as a baby face. And now he's a lot more intriguing as this bad guy. Roxanne's like testing things out in the ring. You can see she's like work her, her style's a little bit different. And I, I know what I've actually gotten like more and more into Kiana too. I think she plays her role pretty well. I'm sure this will be a pretty good match between these two. Yeah, it'd be really, really good. Um, Cause we often thought that Roxanne would be the one that would be the quick champion. And I think they've done a good job with her not putting the title on her too early. Cause as you know, I always say it uh, every week, once you win the title, it, it, it's uh, where do we go from here when, she, you know, when someone loses it. So I think this will be intriguing. We get to see someone other than a Becky Lynch on the women's side in a steel cage. I think it'll be fun. But you know what? Going to the the Iron Survivor Challenge. For the women, yeah. So we got Stratton, Stratton Lash, Blair Davenport, Kalani Jordan, and Fallon. Kudos, congrats to Fallon Henley for, for, for being – for – for getting in this match, man. You talk about somebody. I think she's going to win. I, I think so, too. I think I, she should. I, I, I think she's she's been an underdog. She's so talented. You know, she was with Jensen and Briggs. She's done all this work. She was the barkeep. She had the bar. And what was her line? Because they all the, all the girls were in the ring. All the, uh, the women were in the ring. Like, they all sat around. They were cutting promo, like, each cutting promos. And they were interrupting each other and getting into it. And I like it. Like she took the mic and she said, I don't really say a whole lot, but this is my moment. Yeah. I don't like, and she kind of ran everybody down. 
yeah. right? Like, I don't like you, Stratton. I'm going to beat your ass. She's like, <laughs> I don't like you. You, I don't really know, but I, I, it was like, it reminded me of the, uh, like the how high, or was, was it in the half baked when he's doing yeah, the like, screw yeah. you, screw you, F you, you're cool. You know, it's like, that was, <laughs> I don't know you, but I'm still going to beat your ass. It was, uh, I, I think, th- they and then, have some, yeah, I think they have something here with her. I and, really and do. She stood up, and then the final line she said was like, some, uh, it was kind of a cool line. History doesn't remember women who, she's some, something like, History doesn't remember women who behave well or something like that. And then she just laid, she threw an elbow right into Stratton and they just went at it. It was really cool. Like I thought a great intensity, great fire. And I think it should be Fallon or Tiffany winning this. Yeah. Yeah. One or the other. And yeah, I mean like Fallon would be good to win it, not necessarily have to win the women's title, but like be a nice challenger. Right. Yeah. Moving forward. Very Uh, deserving. So again, like on this, on this, we have the five women in the Iron Survivor plus Roxanne and Kiana, all on the the show. So that's great that they're able to get so many different women and another women's match on the show as well. Um, we've got the men's Iron Survivor: Dijak, Trick Williams, Briggs, Braun Bra- uh, Breaker, and Tyler Bate, and that kind of ties in with Carmelo Hayes and Lexis King who are having a singles match because Carmelo was not able to qualify uh, for the last chance match. And Carmelo and Trick, they still have their uh, storyline going on where we don't know who attacked Trick. We think it might have been Lexus King. Now we're leading to believe it could be Carmelo. And we're going to get a Carmelo-Lexus King match. And then we're going to get the men's Iron Survivor. And I don't know if he was just saying it, but I love that Trick said, you're going to open the show, and I'm going to close, close the show. Close it, yeah. Which was yeah. badass. So, yeah. Does Trick win this match? I think Trick wins. Yeah, I do too. That's, that's my bet. I think Trick wins. I think he should win. Like, just handicapping the rest of the field, Dijak shouldn't win. Briggs? Like, Briggs this has is a, been on a roll. A he's on a roll, and, and I think push. this is a good level up for him. Right. But I don't think he's necessarily ready to win this. But now he can be in the conversation of like singles guys that can be in number one contenders matches. Braun does not need this. Tyler Bate, I think, is in there for it to be a great match. Like Trick feels like the guy that this match is for right now, like his momentum, his story. And and then you got Carmelo and Lexus King. And this should be Lexus King needs to have a better match here. He's been doing great with his character work. I think the character work's been fantastic. Now that he's in ring with Carmelo, we need to see him step up his game in ring a little bit. I agree. This this feels like a good spot for that to be done. Um, dude, I, I've always liked Corbin. I thought when he was the lone wolf in his first run in NXT, when he's having matches with Samoa Joe, um, I thought he was very good. Then he comes up to the main roster. I've always liked him because he's he's always been a guy that gets heat no matter what. And he's like a legitimate heel. He's a big dude, and he's not bad in the ring at all. Like, he looks like a guy that you want to get beat up, you know, that you want to see get beat up. Then he did the loser Corbin gimmick that we just loved. That was amazing. <laughs> and we saw, like, some different sides of this guy. 
the way that I always thought of Corbin or the way that he was presented or like talked about by their internet wrestling fans was like, ah, oh, this is a football player who doesn't give a crap about wrestling. You know, like he just wants a paycheck. You watch the work that he's put in just to get better in ring and then like his promos and the acting type stuff. This this thing he's doing right now might be better than anything he's ever done. Do they reward him or is it too soon for Dragunov to lose? Dragunov can't lose, can he? I don't think he could and I don't I don't think he will. And if he did, I think I don't think it would be clean or anything. Okay. But okay. I almost feel like bad for Corbin right now because if he doesn't win, where do you, do? You, yeah. where do you go with him? You pull him back up to the main He'd roster and stuff. But, like, but yeah. like, are you going to go with what? Because what he's doing right now, man, like it was so, it's like honest, it's real. And he was almost baby faced the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dragonoff does this, like, he looks like he's about to strangle him and choke him out, but he just hugs him. <laughs> he gives him like a hug and he like whispers something into his ear, like creepy. And then Corbin is like, what the hell? It was, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm all in on this match now. Corbin Dragunov, like, dude, this could be, you got the two iron survivor matches, which are just going to be a blast because there's chaos. There's people getting going in the penalty box. There's all sorts of weird stuff. And you've got Dragunov Corbin now where, Corbin's like made Dragonoff feel like a bad guy for having to do his job. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you left your family. You left your son. Like he's making him feel bad for this. <laughs> it's it's amazing heel work from Corbin. Man, I'm again like Monday and Tuesday night were so so good. Both Raw and NXT. We move over to AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. <laughs> Feel a little I'm different sorry. about the way this show ended. I will tell you that much. <laughs> um, uh, so we're building up to Christian Cage versus Adam Copeland. Edge versus Christian. These guys are a tag team for years and years and years together. Believe it or not, he's, Edge uh, said in an interview that they've only wrestled like four or five times ever. Singles. Like yeah. house shows everything. Right? They didn't. There, there was like a, a storyline or two in WWE, but it was never as big as you felt like it could have been. And I will say, I think AEW, in building up to this match, did a better job with a one-on-one Edge versus Christian, Copeland versus Christian feud than WWE ever did. I think AEW, in the last like month, to, to have Christian feel like he was a big deal, and he's actually on the level of Edge, not just Edge's like lackey partner that was never on his level. And making it feel like, oh, this is interesting. Edge came over here to be with his buddy, but his buddy doesn't want anything to do with him. He kind of wants to be off on his own now, now that he's kind of at the at the apex of his career. So I was really excited. We when we go into this, I'm curious. This is gonna be on regular TV. How are what are they gonna do here? You could have Dude, if you had Nick Wayne or Luchasaurus or Killswitch or any of these people, if you have Christian bring in a new person, debut, attack Copeland, um, and that person's along with Christian, you know what? Any of that, I'd, I'd even, I wouldn't love, I'd be okay with. I personally think this should have been Christian kicking him in the balls like a low blow when, when the ref wasn't looking 
and that's what happened, and then we can keep that going. But no, we get a great match. That's our main event. Guys are beating the crap out of each other. It's pretty much what you would hope for until <laughs> Mrs. Wayne starts to walk down the aisle. Nick Wayne's mom. Like, Nick Wayne's mom. He's got it coming <laughs> on. She's all I want. I've waited for so long. <laughs> but first off, we a lot of uh, Gino. A lot of people didn't know what was who she was. No, that we because that's a exactly, lot of people were tuning in for the first time to watch this. This is where I was going. Like, she's not even been introduced as a major character on your TV show, right? She's not a character. We know her as Nick Wayne's mom. We've seen her two times. I don't think she has. She talked. I just I, remember the chair shot. Yeah, like so. I don't think yeah. she said anything. And if that's the case, there's probably a reason, right? Because she probably can't very well. Or she, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's nerve-wracking. If you're not a worker and you haven't done this kind of thing, it's difficult. Why did you need to incorporate this into an already made 25-year build of story? Like, you, you had no reason to need to do this. None whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense. Edge and Christian have a story together. Everybody knows their story from WWE. Even if you didn't know their story, like I said, in the one month, I think they've done, they did a pretty good job with just, hey, I wanted to come here and, and be with my buddy. Screw you. I'm doing great on my own. I don't need you anymore. Like, that's a fine story to tell. And instead of going with that, we got to get Nick Wayne's mom as the reason that Copeland loses. She doesn't even do a great job of acting, and the and the poor commentators like have oh, to try to it play terrible. it off. They're like, "What's she gonna do?" But she <laughs> comes in and she's staring right at Copeland immediately, like <laughs> giving it away that we know she's gonna go right after him. But then she kind of turns back at Christian, like, "Maybe I'm gonna go for him." <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Th- Why this would was- you put somebody like her in this position to do that move? Is my big question. And and did she even hit him? Uh, I don't think she connected. She fell over, like <laughs> trying to connect because she, this. Po- and I I feel bad for her. Like she's yeah, in yeah. the ring in this high pressure spot that she's never been in before. Like on national TV, she's got cues. She's got timing. She's thinking about this, that, and then she swings. She probably falls as a little bit off balance when she does. Like you've got two incredible professionals in the ring who have been doing this type of thing for years that have all this buildup that we're best friends, that we're a tag team. We've got storylines that you could do forever with these guys. And you this is like, this is like a Vince Russo thing. Like, I thought this was, I honestly thought it was like a joke. Like, I was watching, it's like, there's no way they just did this. Well, my immediate thought was, okay, this sets up Beth Phoenix, or Beth Copeland coming in. Right, and, and it, with no training at all, there's no way they can put this, put this poor lady in a match. No. And- I, just why this big of a feud? And I, as you said, they've done a tremendous job Building this up, you said it better than WWE, and you end it like this. Now it doesn't matter. Now, uh, no, now the way you built no. it, it doesn't even matter because now, like, okay, we like what are we doing here now? Too is is this lady gonna be part? Is it like she gonna be part of the show now? Is it is she gonna be out there with Christian and her son 
and like is that a faction? There, there could be some like car crash trash TV aspect to this, <laughs> where like where if she's really bad, it, it still might be funny, you know, because Christian will play off of it well. But this is is, is this where we're gonna go? And it's like this poor family they did didn't they just lose their their dad and we're really like leaning into this in storyline are we going to see christian and her like making out on tv <laughs> you know like i don't i don't know like that could be funny you know what i mean but like yeah. are they going to do or or is this just over is she just done it was like this the moment she had and now she's just off the tv i, I don't i don't know this was bad. This was awful. I'm sorry. Like if, if you were it, it out was, there watching it, it and you felt it different, I I watched this. I did not think you needed this in with Edge and Christian at all. Like at all. I just yeah thought that was it's, bad. It's just disgusting. It's stupid. It made zero sense. There's no shock. It grabbed no headlines. Well, uh, we don't they, care about her enough to all. care about no. her decision that she was going to make. It was like. Okay, all of it was like the her in the storyline is where it tailed off the stuff before her in the storyline, even with Nick Wayne and like trying to replace Edge with other people. That's fine. But this is weird. So you're going to pick Edge Copeland. You're going to hit Copeland because he hit your son. But you've seen Christian completely denigrate your ex, your your husband who just died and your son. And you don't give a crap about that. Like it. Ah man, yeah man. It 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 ruined the match and the in the vibe for sure. It was it was just poor taste. I don't know who booked this. I don't know who approved it. I was weak. It, 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 again, this poor lady's put in a position with no training whatsoever. Nobody even knows who she was until recently, and you put you inject her into Christian and Copeland's storyline that has been around for their best friends. Do you imagine? Decades. Do you imagine, like, oh, 10 years ago, we're like, hey, one day Christian and Edge <laughs> are going to have a match, and the blow-off and the feud is going to be with Nick Wayne's mom. Who? It's like, what? Who? Definitely didn't have it going on. It would have made more sense if freaking Lita was yeah, in the mix here, yes. or, you know what I mean? Like, Spike yes. Dudley, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and Rhino, you know? Like, yeah. anyone, but... Rhino. It's just made no sense. We... We keep getting, like, good matches in the tournament. Like, all of these matches have been good. Have we had one upset in the so tournament? But you talk about so predictable. And now what you fear is, and what we feared before it started, you have several participants that are already, are eliminated. already eliminated. And now we're going to have matches on TV with two people that are both eliminated. Well, yeah, yeah. And that you talk about zero interest. There just won't be. There, and, there's, like, house and I matches. Think I think some of the talent is getting pissed because what ended up happening, like in the opening match, it was Moxley versus Roosh. So Roosh has already lost a couple or Roosh has already lost. And this was going to be another loss for him. So Moxley applies the choke and then it looks like Roosh passes out. So the ref rings the bell. And then like a minute later, Roosh, like seconds later, Roosh is back up. Like no selling it. <laughs> so, there was what some happened? sandbagging like, for sure in this somebody, match. Somebody, yeah, somebody sandbagged someone. Roosh may have been like, "Hey, I have to keep losing, so I'm just not gonna gonna do the job like this." Like, and <laughs> apparently, Roosh, this is like a thing with Roosh. Like, he doesn't like go, like putting other people over. 
He doesn't like lose. He's like Mil Mascaras. Wasn't that a oh, thing? Oh, Mil was my favorite. He'd come into the uh, Houston Championship Wrestling about four or five times a year and just would beat Nick Bockwinkle with yep. Rick Flair. He would he never put never anybody lost. over. He would he never, never lost. Never put anybody over. Uh, but Moxley picks up the win. And we had Swerve pick up the win against Briscoe. Like, great oh, for Swerve. Yeah. Swerve's been looking good. He's got really nice momentum. He's on the upswing. It's like, why the hell do you even have Mark Briscoe in this to just lose every match? And because now all these guys like Briscoe and Roosh or whatever, like, unfortunately, you can't ever put them ahead of the five, six, seven guys in this tournament that all just beat the crap out of them, right? No, and we were talking about before the tournament started, you and I, this would be a perfect time for Swerve to to win and really get thrusted. I, is Hangman Page going to screw him out of this thing? Maybe, right? Because Page got oh, a promo. Oh, man. He got and, a promo uh, that he, he was going to promise that uh, that he would keep Swerve from, from getting what he wanted. And then while he's cutting a promo, which, <laughs> cool, we haven't seen Page in a while. He's back. He tells Swerve, like, I'm not done with you. You know, you got me, but I'm not going to let this go. MJF interrupts him. And what? And he gets you. What? It's like wait, wait, what? I thought Hangman Page was has lost all these matches in a row. So first, they, it was like they're teasing an MJF Page thing, and second, MJF was a full on heel again. Heel again? Yes. Like out of nowhere. Like, wait, what? This was like old MJF heel blasting him, calling him boring, like nothing babyface about him, and then a few minutes later, MJF's laying in the background. He got taken out, and there's a beer bottle lying next to him. <laughs> so they're trying to make it seem like it was Pangman Page. Um, well, we knew we knew the the match with the Devil's Henchman was wasn't going to happen, right? No. And, and again, I, I, that gimmick, you and I both know what could have. I, I think probably maybe it was written for CM Punk, but this yeah. thing has gone on so long now; it's becoming it irrelevant. Just... And it is going to be a massive letdown when it's revealed. It just it is. is. I, I think it, they're either dragging it on just to drag it on, like, oh, let's keep it going. Or, as someone mentioned, they're waiting for someone's 90-day compete clause to be up in the WWE, that we, a name we haven't heard about in a while. And it's, it's, gonna be, it's just going to be a disappointing. It's just going to be only... disappointing. I really, I, I really think this was supposed to be punk. Yeah, and I, the only one right now to me that would be – Somewhat of an okay payoff would be cool. That's it. Sure, sure. If it was part and of I the think, story, and, and I think it is going. I it, think that's who's it go, it's going to be. If it is, and at and, least that makes sense, and you've got Brit and Strong and the other people that were around helping him as the, that's fine. If they do some stupid thing where they're like, "It was me all along," you know, like, <laughs> MJF. If they pull that crap and it's like it was MJF, uh. Dude, no way. Oh, I'll be No sick. way. No, I don't no, want it to be, be MJF. It can't no. be Samoa Joe. It can't no. be. It shouldn't be. be Wardlow because those guys won't need to do this stuff. No. They would just walk out and beat beat up MJF. Cole is the guy who's been manipulating him the whole time. It would right. make the most sense, and it would be the best if it was Cole. Um, so we're setting up for Swerve versus Moxley next week. That should be a big match. Well, it seems um, like the only thing we're setting up is pushing of all in and Wembley next year. That's what frustrates me. When is their next pay per view? 
the December 30th. That's the one where MJF faces Joe at world's okay. end. Well, I wouldn't have known that because nope. all I keep hearing about is all in at Wembley. I know they're not, uh, they're not pushing the, the, uh, no, they're not pushing the next pay-per-view really at all. Um, they're they're doing a good job with Tony. Tony had another oh, uh, Tony Storm had a really yeah. good, like, shout out to them. They did a good job with Tony Storm's gimmick. It was black and white, and um, it, was, it was really good. And the guy who does the Turner Classic movies or whatever. Oh what, yeah, that that was, that was cool. That, that was, was good. That was good. So shout out to them. Like you've got Jay White versus Jay Lethal. I, what I I loved about this. The crowd just started cheering for Jays. <laughs> they were doing the, uh, um, let's go Jay. Jay sucks. Let's go Jay. Jay sucks. Both these Jays. Both these Jays. And then what was funny was right after this match was the Adam Copeland versus Christian match. And they started chanting Jay in that match again, too, because that's his name, Jay. So... I, I would have given it to the crowds because yeah. you know, in a match where there were two heels, they didn't know what to do, right? Jay Lethal, Jay, uh, Jay White, who are we supposed to root for? But you know what? And I, I will give them credit because a lot of the tournament stuff, the matches are always good. But, you know, I, I've been asking them to do more. I so like the, little video. Yeah. They gave us the little video package before that showed us yeah. that Jay White used to look up to Jay Lethal when they were in yeah. a ring of honor. And that yeah. – Jay Lethal kind of took him under his wing, and man, Jay White said, "I thought Jay Lethal was the best wrestler in the world at that time." And uh, so, uh, shout out for that. I thought that was a positive, but <laughs> left a bad taste in my mouth with Mrs. Wayne there at the end of the show. <laughs> oh well, well, Coop, you and I started looking at these bowl games, but there's only an Army Navy game this week, and then the bowls all really start yeah. next week. Did you did you have any NFL that you like this week at all? Man, I've, I've been in love with the NFL for some reason. A sport you've been, that dude, I you've been never conquer. Well, you've been hey, look, well. I I made my largest two bets ever this past weekend with with the Green Bay Packers and and one. I felt really really good about going yep. into that game, and it worked out. So the Green Bay Packers are on fire. They just are. Uh, what? Three consecutive wins as an underdog, and now they go face uh, the New York Giants. Jordan Love, it looks like the heir apparent. Not so fast, Gino Toretta. Not so fast, Gino Toretta. The Heisman Trophy, former Heisman Trophy. The Giants are getting seven points. I like that. Okay, so I'm a trend guy. You know that. Okay, I, I, I love a trend. A trend's always my friend. Teams that have won three consecutive games as underdogs, when they're favored in that next game, going back to 1980, six and 20 against the spread. Another good trend, the Packers, two, seven and one against the spread in their last nine as an underdog. And you know what? Tommy DeVito. Hey, Tommy DeVito. Hey, DeVito. Right? Hey, He's become the first undrafted quarterback in a rookie season to have back-to-back, a back-to-back QB rating of 100 or more. I'm not saying the Giants are going to win, but let's slam the brakes a little bit. way too much for Green Bay. This is like the— On the road at home, the the Giants are going to treat this like the Super Bowl. This is a massive overreact. This is way too much for a young team. Keep in mind, everything that you pointed out was spot on over the last 
five weeks, I think they have the number three ranked offense in the league. Green Bay. They've been great. Love has been fantastic. And they have a young team. But now you're asking this young team after they've been reading their clippings now, they've been hearing about how good they are. They've been hearing that, oh, look at this team. They're a bunch of first and second year players. Now they got to go on the road where there might be some weather and they got to cover with not only win, they got to cover with margin on the road. This is way too much. Like if this number was, I would jump in on this at three and a half. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like if this was, I feel like if this was anything over three green Bay favored by, I'd feel like it was too much for a young team on the road to be favored by in this situation. And now it's flipped all the way up to seven like you said, you know what? The Giants and DeVito, he's not, like, amazing, but he's limited his turnovers. They're they're actually creating turnovers. And keep in mind, he's like a gangster. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. his family. Tommy Cutlets. Probably, they're calling they, him Tommy Cutlets. They were joking on the Pro Football Focus, the podcast I was listening to. Because remember, when they beat the Patriots, the guy from the Patriots, the kicker, he missed a 35-yard field goal that would have tied the game. Yeah, it was like yeah. they called it in. You know, yeah. the, the mafia guys, <laughs> they called it in. I'm sure he had, the DeVitos had a bunch of money bet yeah. in that game. They hey, made look. a couple calls. You never they know, man. Tommy, right? Do one for Tommy, right? They make a few calls. This thing is seven. I'm with yeah. you. This was one of my uh, one of my strong plays because it's uh, what my, my buddy Eric says all the time. It's about buying low, selling high. Yeah. And yeah. right now, the Packers are at a super high-valued point because everyone's like, oh, my God, look at Jordan Love again. Oh, my God, is he going to be the guy? And maybe he yeah. is, but maybe the is. seven points is just way too much. This is a, I'm glad you pointed that one out, man. Yeah. That's one of my favorite games of the week, too. Yeah, so this is, this is a big game, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I know everyone's in love with the Dallas Cowboys, and I know they're on fire. I really do. They have a lot of trends that that say they're going to to cover. Um, they're like fifteen and six the last twenty one games against the spread as a home favorite. Uh, Philly is like zero and six uh, as a division away dog in the last uh, several years. But you know what, Gino? Philly just got embarrassed. Embarrassed. I love this play. They're getting now three and a half. I know. Dallas. As soon as it went to three and a half, it's like absolutely you have to dive in on Philly here. Uh, hey, I, I think look, the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. I, I love these two trends, Gino. Philadelphia Eagles as a seven hundred or better team, which they are. They're five and zero oh against the spread in this series with Dallas. So when Philly has a really good team and they play the Cowboys, they cover. Guess what they did earlier this year? It wasn't pretty, but they covered the three. Hurts. Everybody's crapping on Hurts. Hurts should be pulled. Hurts should be benched. Dude, 11-3-1 in the last 15 against the spread as a starter. There's a lot of overreaction here. I know Dallas Cowboys, they beat, what, the 6-5 and five or 6-6 six and six Seattle Seahawks last weekend. Who cares? Give me the Philadelphia Eagles in the three and a half. 100%. Same exact thing. We all saw Philly get crushed. So everybody's like, oh, Philly's not as good as oh, they Dallas is on a roll. Look and at all the Dallas points is, they score. This, is, this has been the last four years. Every time Dallas has had a game like this, this has happened earlier in the year Let against the down, 49ers. Baby. Every <laughs> time they have a game like this, they have a letdown. Every yeah. time. And some, it's a coaching. It's McCarthy sometimes. Combination of things. But 
spot on. I'm with you. If they, yeah, as soon as this got play. to three, I'm in it. And then at three and a half, absolutely. I think you even sprinkle some money line on the Eagles straight absolutely. up in this game too. Coop a loop at the Chad Cooper. We'll be following you on Twitter and on Instagram. You, my friend, have a fantastic weekend ahead. And thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you next week. Let's cash them this weekend and let's watch some NXT deadline. Let's do it. Big weekend coming up and we'll talk some bowl games next week. Don't go anywhere, though, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. A big thank you to Koopa Loop, Chad Coop, for helping us out with this week in wrestling. Barry Spears, man, glad that you're doing well, buddy. We were all scared and uh, very happy you're healthy and you're feeling better. Big shout out to Eric for helping us out with the NFL. I'm going to have Tim Kelly join me in just a few days to do a recap of the Marvels. So that'll be coming up in the next week or so. We'll continue on with the the quality racing NFL. We'll have some bowl games coming up. We'll start talking some more NBA soon. Everything going on in the world of sports right here on That's What G Said.